The Game the System podcast is proudly sponsored by 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen. You can visit their website at 1989.com.au. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. John, do you like food? I do like food. Do you love classic arcade games? I love classic arcade games. Do you like to partake in the consumption of an adult beverage or two? I love to. Well, you can enjoy all three at the same time at Sydney's only bar arcade, 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen. What? Yes, that's right. Nowhere else in Australia's largest city can you find classic arcade games like Space Invaders, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Double Dragon, Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat Plus, many more, and eat awesome food, enjoy some craft brews, and all in the company of like-minded retro arcade and console game fans. That's inconceivable. Yes, it is inconceivable, John. (laughs) So stop your blabbering and get on clamouring to 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen at 22 King Street, Newtown. Check out their lineup of games, food and beers at 1989.com.au and facebook.com slash 1989arcadebar. Don't just take our word for it. Matt, what do you reckon? It's good. Sold! What have you been playing? This is like Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Mentioning it again. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa there! (laughs) Nice work. (laughs) Alright, let's start. Hello and welcome to Game the System podcast episode 14, a podcast about the people that play retro, arcade, modern, pinball. What are you laughing at? (laughs) No, I'm already already priming the Uh, order that we go in. Right, okay. (laughs) I thought you were looking at me because way back I said that the last time I did a podcast we got to episode 14. Uh, I was going to bring it up, but I was going to bring that up on episode 15. Oh, Sure. Spoilers. Cool. Mm. Pinball, board games, and everything in between. It's the 27th of July, 2018, and my name's Mark Bell. My name's John. My name's Matt. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And how are we feeling? Good. Okay. Good? Mm. Great. I'm also feeling good, thanks for asking. Mm. (laughs) Excellent. Uh... I would like to do something a little bit different. Oh. And now that we're all full of beer, and we've eaten some really nice burgers, some more beer. seeing as we're at 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen, upstairs, recording, I have a pack of Donkey Kong, the number one video game, it says on the, on the cover of the pack, uh, cards slash bubblegum. Mm. Oh, we get to see cards too. Uh, oh. I guess. It says three rub-off cards. I don't know what that means. That <laughs> sounds a bit dodgy to that me. That sounds like, like just enough for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> we can rub off one each. Uh, from Tops, the company that produced many cards back in the 80s and probably still today, I guess. They're still around, right? I have no idea. They must be I, still around. I guess so, but I, I don't know. I have not seen anyone collect 
like sports cards trading and, cards. Yeah, yeah. I did notice they have the Pokemans and the Magics. <laughs> the Pokemans <Yeah. laughs> and the Magics. Yeah. Uh, so this has got three rub-off cards, so we can rub off to card each. Three stickers and one sticker bubble gum. Oh, okay. Yes. Now the date on this, it says 1982, Nintendo of America, <laughs> but I really don't think this was produced in 1982. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking they're saying that Donkey Kong is the copyright of Nintendo in 1982. However, it it still must be at least 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And so my challenge to us is to eat <laughs> some of this stick of gum <laughs> live on air. Not that it's live, mm. but, you know, uh, and survive to tell the story, I guess. <laughs> so have you ever done this before? No, but I know some people who have. Yeah. And they're still alive. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> expecting to die. Spoilers. But no. I don't know if they got <laughs> violently ill, oh. but they're still alive. <laughs> so I, I think you, we're okay. If we post the podcast, then we'll probably all survive. Still alive, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm tearing open the pack. Oh, actually, before I do that, um, let's see, I'll read the back. Tops Chewing Gum Incorporated. Something, something place in USA, made in USA. It contains dextrose, corn syrup, mm-hmm. gum base, softeners, natural and artificial flavors, artificial colors... And BHT to maintain freshness. Do you reckon that BHT is maintain freshness after 30 years? Does it have the strength of 30 years? <laughs> I'm, I'm opening the I pack. I wonder what okay. BHT is. I'll, I'll open it in front of the microphone. See this one? <laughs> Taking photos. This is like that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Is that how it went? That's how the music goes. And then he sees that flash of gold. So to be clear, this pack has never been opened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're seeing this for the very first time. There's a nice pink stain left on one of the stickers Ooh. from the gum. Uh, so there is actually gum to speak of. There is actually gum. There's Hasn't actually stickers. With it away over time. Uh, what's it? the rub-off thing mean then? Can we find well, this out now? Well, well, we can. I wonder if We're it's like consenting a smell. adults. Is it a smell thing, like the popular thing? No, the stickers are pretty cool, actually. Donkey Kong is better than homework. Is yeah. one sticker. I agree. Hmm. Oh, I see the rub off. You can play Donkey Kong with rub off little patches. Oh, like scratches. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I know. It doesn't this have a incredible. smell. Does the gum have a smell? No, the gum doesn't have a smell. I think the smell probably dissipated 20 years ago. This is pretty cool. Hey, look. Oh, wow. It's like a Donkey Kong scratchy. Yeah. And the board is basically the Donkey Kong barrel board, and Mm. you scratch off every little position up the board. Hmm. Pretty cool. So, uh, this is um, these were given to me by Aaron from the Press Play on Tape podcast. By the way, ah. yes, in Tasmania. Yes, so thanks, thanks Aaron and Press Play on Tape podcast for this wonderful experience that is going to kill us. Mm. <laughs> now, on the back of these, looks like it 
makes up a bigger poster kind of thing. Yeah, you put the the things together to make a larger thing. So even when you've used the stickers, you still got that. Hmm. So I have the stick of gum. I'm going to break it into three pieces. Are we all taking part in this? We're we're all yeah pressured into this now. <laughs> we, so can't we can't say no now. because we're already recording. Okay. I'm I'm worried when I break this, it's just going to turn into powder. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's that's a thing that happens. So I'm breaking this stick of gum into thirds. Oh, Actually, oh that, sound, well. that sounded like a cracker. <laughs> one snap into the microphone. <laughs> They're all pretty equal pieces. There's one a little bit larger. I'll take the largest one because I'm the one forcing people to do this. Okay. <laughs> this is really hard. Confirm no smell. Definitely no smell. What if I dunk it in the beer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. It if seems you do like that. that dehydrated space food. Hmm, it's probably going to taste like it too. I remember those tasting good. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. We, so count the three one, and two, three. pop it in their mouth. But so we'll do one, two, three, then bang. Are we right? popping whole thing? Whole <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Oh my god. It's really You're hard. actually chewing it. Uh, uh. There's a bit of flavour there. It's kind of like a must stick. Hmm. A very subtle must stick. Is it supposed to be bubble gum? Yeah. yeah not no, it's not going to be bubble gum now. <laughs> it's actually not bad. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It tastes like I'm eating paper from the 80s. But wait, <laughs> is, is it enough? bad to swallow bubble gum even if it turns into powder? <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter at this point. It's too late, I've swallowed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm. A bit talcum powdery. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I feel it, it literally tastes like paper from the 80s. You're not getting paper. that. I'm not tasting a no. paper flavour. Or like... It's like when you walk into like a record store, like an old with old records or something. Or hmm. have you ever like been given a, Waxy s- a stack of old magazines? Or it's very chalky. Hmm. Ugh. It's sort of stuck in my throat, to be honest. <laughs> hmm. Ugh. John takes a sip oh. of his beer. John uh, Matt takes a sip of his oh, beer. Oh god! Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I thought. It's a terrible aftertaste. Hmm. Okay, I'm. You haven't even, even, my you haven't even well. had any beer yet. I think the beer makes it worse. To be honest, a little bit. So mm. I've had an experience with old bubble gum where you put it in, you're chewing it, and it seems everything seems fine, and then suddenly it just busts apart and turns into. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that wasn't that wasn't like super bitter. No. There was a, a very tiny hint of the flavour that once yeah, it was. Yeah, subtly yeah. sweet. Wait, so we got in just in time. <laughs> I lived <laughs> another sweet. couple of years, yeah. it would have been all gone. Another 30 years <laughs> yeah. and, yeah, yeah, it would have been nothing. Yeah. But I also feel like I ate, like, the sleeve of a record from the 70s <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if we survive to tell the story. Oh. <laughs> Uh, news, there's only one thing I've got on my agenda, and mm-hmm. that is that Jason Lambert, our friend from Queensland, uh, Lambo, as he's known to his friends, 
is our new number one Australian pinball player. We according to IFBA rankings. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Taking over Paul Jones, who's been on. He's been number one for a very long time now, maybe over a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good on uh, Lambo. Congratulations. Maybe, That's awesome. Maybe Paul needs to move to Queensland. Maybe he uh-huh. does, where mm. all the comps are. Mm. Mm. So I was trying to figure out. Um, so this is, but they haven't yet posted the the latest. No, not from Brisbane things. Masters. So I was trying to figure it's out. Chop up a little bit. How um how was his performance there? It was pretty good, and I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. When Later. I talk about what I've okay, been okay, doing. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue, by the way. Oh, Matt. Okay, okay. Uh, let's talk about what we've been doing. Yeah. Mm. I reckon John goes first. Okay. Alrighty. I've been playing some games. Uh huh. That's but good. Mostly playing the recently released Sonic Mania Plus. Uh, Sonic Mania not being recently, well, relatively recently released. Mm. So what? Tell us what the difference is. Yeah, what, what's the difference between normal and plus? I don't know. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> it's on Switch. I'm glad we've is done that, our research. No, is the old world Switch? <laughs> yeah, so, so Sonic Mania uh, is on Steam. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can buy Sonic Mania, the, not the plus version, I think digitally. Hmm. Um, so I think that the plus is actually technically DLC, but they also did a physical release um, of Sonic Mania Plus, so where you get the game and the plus, I guess, which is DLC. And this is the one that's just been released. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so what's just came out is Sonic Mania Plus, um, and yeah, it came as a physical copy on I think Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. Pretty cool. It came with an art book. Um, it's got like a reversible cover where the reverse side has like Sega Mega Drive style artwork. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. I just I just wanted to have a physical version of mm. Sonic Mania and luckily I hadn't bought it yet um, just because, yeah, I mean, there's so many games and yeah. of course I wanted to play it, but yeah, luckily for me they decided to do a physical release. And mm. so I got that um and what's it what's it like cuz I've been really keen to play it as well but like you just sort of not overly motivated to buy a digital mm. copy I want a physical game yeah and so I'm keen to pick up Sonic Mania Plus as well cuz yeah. I've heard it's good but what's your what's your take on it yeah so what I guess what I can tell you is the kinds of improvements over you know the previous Sonic releases uh, or 2D Sonic releases, it is, yeah, it really takes the game to the next level. And there's a lot of really clever design choices and and additions to the game, hmm. which which make it just a better game, basically. Hmm. Um, so they've changed kind of the way that the levels work. Every level has like a boss or, you know, I guess you could call it a mini boss, but... In terms of Sonic, they're basically bosses. Hmm. Um, At the end of the level? But it's not always Robotnik. It's, yeah. Right. And the levels are much bigger. Um, There's more to explore in the levels. Hmm. Um, But on top of that, uh, you can choose different characters. So, like in 
you know, some of the later Sonic releases, you can actually choose to play with, you know, Tails or Knuckles. And there's two new characters, which I am not 100% sure, but I think that they are part of the Plus release. What? Who are they? Um, so one's called Ray. I forget the other one's name, but they're... So they're new, new, as in they've never been in another Sonic game. Yeah, exactly. Oh. There's a lot of Sonic games. Do you, you, yeah, there's a lot of characters. No, they're, they're, they're new. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, hmm. Yeah, and so Ray is like a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Some kind of glider, like a glider hmm. bat. I'm trying to think of the animal's name. <laughs> <laughs> he can so Ray can float in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Knuckles it, could float in the air. Yeah, so Knuckles floats in the air, but it's different. It's more like okay, so Knuckles like glides, but you only control sort of the direction he goes in, right? Yeah. Hmm. With Ray, you it's like the hang gliding in um, <laughs> California Games Two. If you've <laughs> ever played that, you when you hold forward, you dive and gain speed. And then when you hold backwards, you turn upwards and float up based on the amount of speed that you have. Sort of like the Mario in Super Mario World. Um, when you've got the cape. I'm not super familiar with that. Right. <laughs> well, the, Which is probably um, sacrilege. <laughs> there's something in Crackdown to... Crackdown. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah, you would, yeah. You would have to swoop over and I over to keep that. your... Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, but it it just feels really good, um, mm. and but also requires skill, and it changes the game so much. I mean, I guess just like when you use Knuckles, you know, being able to walk up the walls and and mm. float, you know, really changes the game. Um, Tails can actually fly. I don't know if he could do that in older games. So you you kind of pump the jump button in the air, and he will slowly float up but it gets tired after a while and so you mm. can't just keep going and what's the other character so the other character i forget his name but he has like a downwards um stomp kind of thing and he'll like drill into the ground i think he's like an anteater or something like that i'm not sure but mm. yeah but that that's something that opens up like different areas of the level and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um i believe he can also bounce off spikes so if you do your like drill down move into spikes he won't get damaged oh wow yeah huh yeah so there's some some different things in it that really change up the game and i think that they already went started going along that path with making knuckles like a playable character Hmm. and i think the whole idea being like you're playing the same level but it feels really different because of the way the character controls Hmm. and i think that that with Sonic Mania, they're taking that idea and going even further with it with these other characters. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, so that leads into um, there's what they call an extra mode. Um, and the extra mode is the same game, so all the same levels, but instead of having lives, like instead of having three Sonic lives, you rescue each of the characters along the way of your adventure. And you'll come across the televisions with characters to rescue from the televisions. 
and then you'll have that character like in reserve and you can switch between the characters on the fly. Mm. And when you die, that character basically disappears and you take the next character Hmm. and then you have as many lives as like the characters that you have in reserve. And so that changes the game a lot too because... That's an interesting idea. Yeah, there's no like resetting to the beginning of the level. Um, You basically, as soon as you die, you're just someone else, but in the same spot that you were, Hmm. which really changes the way that boss fights work as well. (laughs) Because you can get to a boss fight and you'll get through it, but you lose like your your party. It's like having a party, you know. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty cool too. That's the extra mode. And yeah, it's 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 a lot of small things. Like Sonic has a new move as well, where when you jump in the air, you hold down the jump button, and he starts to spin in the air. And so it's like doing a dash spin, like a dash, but mm. you start the dash while you're still in the air. Um, All right. Which one thing I notice is really good for is like, you know, when you run up one of those um, like quarter circle um, ramps you know that are really common in sonic and if you jump into one of those you just totally lose all your momentum you can use this this air spin to stop that from happening so if you jump and you realize oh i'm heading straight into one of those ramps you can use the air spin to keep your momentum going Hmm. and then yeah it's stuff like that i think really changes it really brings the game up in terms of the quality overall quality hmm of the game so. so sort of doing the the classic sonic thing but building on it in those little ways that make it more interesting yeah absolutely mm. and there's lots of little things like that um yeah and it just makes the game more fun to play and you know so many times you go oh man that's that's really clever and and mm. cool like and it's just a small thing but mm. it just makes the game more interesting so um the music sounds pretty cool as well from what I've heard of it. There's a lot of there's definitely some throwbacks to the old to the music from the old Yeah. Game. And I think there's lots of throwbacks to the old levels as well, like the worlds that they go oh, through, yeah. the bonus stages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it feels all the games are uh, all the levels are the same in terms of like they're based on levels from the old games, mm. but they're just heaps longer and they feel like they have more depth, like there's more levels. Like in, in <clears throat> the old, you know, so- Medic Mega Drive Sonic games, you might have like three levels in terms of, um, you know, vertical, Upper, verticality. middle, lower. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think, you know, these often have five or more. Hmm. You know, there's just so much. And I think re- revisiting Sonic, I already changed the way that I play these games because I think when I was a kid... I always felt like I was missing out on things, so I did a lot of backtracking. Mm. And as an adult, going back to them, I'm like, I don't have time. I just want to keep going right to get to the end of the level. Mm. <laughs> so mm. as long as I'm going right, um, then it's okay. And I try to get to 100 rings to get an extra life, but mm. if that doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, yeah, as a kid, I was like, no, I have to get 100 rings. Yeah, um, or find the Chaos Emeralds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and with this game, there's, you just can't... It's designed in a way that you can't do that. Like, you can't go to every single area of a level, you know, because part of it's only accessible by certain characters. Hmm. But they're really, I guess, driving home that idea for me that with Sonic, 
it's not about going everywhere on every run so you might do a run through a level in certain areas and then the next time you go back with a different character and you explore a different area you know Mm, mm. i guess it's i don't know if it's to add to that replayability but it definitely makes the level feel big like more like a world rather than Mm. you know an old level (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah cool you haven't finished it i take it uh no i haven't finished it um it's it's not easy (laughs) it's pretty challenging um but yeah i haven't haven't finished it um yeah probably because you've got a few games on the run at the moment uh yeah i'm still playing through bayonetta 2 as well Hmm. Um, which I've kind of I've jumped backwards and forwards a little bit because I got Sonic Mania and I wanted to play it, hmm. but I want to try and finish Bayonetta as well yep. and make sure that I don't. I mean, there's no way I would ever not finish it, hmm. but uh, I'm trying to just finish one game before I move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. So you'd recommend it because I'm thinking of picking it up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like hmm. if you. If you enjoy Sonic or have enjoyed it in the past, it's a must-have. Like, it's the best Sonic game I've ever played. Wow, that's a big call. Oh, yeah. 100%. Hmm. There's no doubt. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that you're well, surprised you? about that. Well, you haven't finished it yet, so... Yeah, that's true. It seems like an early call, but then... I don't know. I, I'm also a firm believer you don't need to finish a game to know whether mm. you like it or not. Well, I think knowing, like, it's it's kind of hard, difficult to explain, you know, those little improvements that I was talking about. But I think when you experience those things, it's like when, when everything just starts to click together mm. and make sense, you mm. know. Um, there's so many things about Sonic that, I mean, I, I really love Sonic, but... There's so many little things that just are annoying, like the fact that it takes him so long to get started. Mm. And they found solutions like that, like the spin dash. Yeah. Um, but just the way the game is designed because of the you know, momentum and stuff that's all part of the game, you know, there's so many things that are can be really frustrating. Like the fact that a lot of the time you can't see an enemy that's going to hit you until it happens. Yeah, or, um, or blind jumps into nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this game solves a lot of those problems hmm. and makes Sonic more fun to I think, play. to me, it's less about thinking about what was wrong with the original games, but more if it can reproduce what was good about the original games because, you know, I was a huge Sonic fan back then. Sonic 1, 2, 3, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic CD. Those mm. are amazing games. And then after that, the the following Sonics, I just think they they lost the magic. Mm. And the 3D Sonics, you know, mm. and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's not really about, to me, and I know, you know, everyone has a different perspective. Mm. It's not about picking the the things that were annoying in the original games and seeing if it's been improved upon. It's more just, have they recreated that magic Mm. that they seem to have lost. Mm. And it sounds like they have. Mm. And when I say they, it's not really Sega. It's, you know, it's a fan-made game mm. published by Sega, mm. mm. which has somehow managed to find that magic that was lost for so long, mm. Mm. which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that they definitely have 
recreated that. Um, I mean, it feels to play. It feels just like you're playing a, a 16-bit Sonic game. Hmm. Um, but then, yeah, just with little little improvements and extras. You know, um, <laughs> there's no slowdown when you get hit from the the rings, which you know. I, I guess there's probably purists that wish that that was in there, but it's obviously, you know, it's a modernization of the game. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff like um, when you have a lot of rings, really big rings will bounce out of you. And oh. then it has like sort of almost like a 3D effect where it's like coming towards the camera. So uh. so it's it's kind of indicating to you... It's like when, you know, when you had a, a lot of rings back in the day... And you'd get hit by something, and a bunch of rings would bounce out of Sonic, but not as many as what you had. Yeah. And you'd go, hang on a second, there should be like <laughs> way more than this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like one little thing where they've kind of shown you, well, they're not just bouncing sideways, they're bouncing forward and all yeah, these okay. other ways too, yeah. you know. Oh, that's cool. And there's another thing that uh, it's this. TV with a blue ring on it and you collect that and it turns your rings into like, well, basically it makes it easier for you to collect your rings back if you get hit by uh-huh. making like really big rings that are worth like 20 or something like that. All right. Um, so if you had 80 rings, it'd be like four big rings that bounce out of you and you can try and pick up as many as possible. Hmm. Um so yeah, really small things like that that they've added into the game, hmm. which obviously they're probably through the modding community tried all this different stuff, and then they just picked the best things that you know hmm. worked. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, I I talked about it a little bit on Twitter with some people. Um, one of the people being Brian since Spaces, who's like really into Sonic, and. We were talking about it, and and I kind of said like, uh, you know, when you, once you play this game, you, it makes you start to wonder why Sega didn't think of all these little improvements that mm. are in the game. Mm. And he came back saying, you know, oh well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't punish, um, you know, Sega developers for having, you know, not having that twenty years of hindsight, um, which is a, a fair comment. But I said that. They, and they did have that 20 years hindsight. They could have produced a Sonic game in 2015 that was a 2D game. Mm. Uh, but I think what these developers had that Sega didn't was that they had they did it for out of passion, you know. Yeah. Um, and and they did it with a budget that was essentially a zero dollar budget. Like, yeah. You know, actual developers have to work with a budget, and so they're limited. Whereas someone who's doing something out of passion, they have. You know, who, who knows how long they worked on it? It mm. could have been a 15-year project mm. or whatever. So mm. I think it's something that could only happen out of passion, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, and, and we saw that developer at PAX last year, right? Yeah. 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 Um, he's and an he, Australian guy. He clearly has a lot of passion for Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He was very happy to just be there and talk about Sonic. Yeah, he yeah. he just you you could see just in his words just how excited he was just being able to talk about 
what he did and and yeah just yeah every fiber of his being seemed to just exude excitement mm. for this whole thing mm-hmm. and that comes through in the product i think mm. Mm. definitely mm. yeah so in short i i do recommend it <laughs> okay five stars yeah. oh hang on i'm putting words in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, I need to pick that up. I'll probably pick that up on PS4 and give it a bash. Cool. cool, Matt. What's been happening? Everyone's favorite <laughs> segment. <laughs> <laughs> we could just record you saying that once and then play yeah. it every time. Yeah. So there's yeah. a jingle that plays at the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah. We need to find a jingle. <laughs> so River Raid update. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a little bit weird after eating that gum. Uh, Are you? Yeah. I'm feeling fine. Maybe it's just the beer. You feeling weird, Matt? Um, is it only because you said something? Now I'm like looking <laughs> looking for a problem. We forgot to mention where we are. No, I did say we're in 1989. Oh, did you? Didn't I? I thought I did. Yeah. It w- yeah, w- you mentioned it. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're we're all just kind of weirded out from that gum. Mm. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> anyway, Matt, sorry. Your so Atari River update. Um, where were we? I had I have the game last time. Mm-hmm. The game works in the cartridge, so I had you know, I, I can play the game on my console now properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a bug in the game. So oh, I thought you were already been past the bug testing phase. I thought I was too because <laughs> I hadn't really touched the the program for a long time, like the the logic in the game since like January, mm-hmm. uh, and. This issue, I'm sure I would have seen before, but apparently I didn't. So it's in the in the in game two, no game three, where you the one where you're racing to bust the fifth bridge. Mm-hmm. If you hit the bridge while it's off the screen slightly, it doesn't count. <laughs> so it lets you ah. play through another one. Ah, yeah. Wait, so exploit. Yeah, what happens? Well, no, it's worse because it takes longer to get to the next one, and then the game ends. Ah, and game three is a timed? Yeah, right. timed, yeah. So it takes more time to get six instead of five. Yep, yep. Wait, how can mm. you hit the bridge off the screen? We uh, it ha- Okay, if it's not completely drawn on the screen, that's when it happens. Because oh. so, it still counts you as being on the previous bridge. It only... Okay. little technical thing where it only... Your, your stage isn't where you are, it's where the top of the screen is, mm-hmm. where it's being drawn. So some problem, and I had to find a way to fix this, and it was really touch and go because I didn't <laughs> think I had enough space to fix this problem because the little subroutine where all this exists mm-hmm. had four bytes at the end to fix this. That's plenty. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so in assembly, four that's bytes, basically come on. two commands, and that's not really enough to say, you know, was the bridge at the top of the screen, and if it was, then do something different hmm. so I was quite stressed for a while stressed? Like it, yeah because oh, what am I going to do because it's going to it, 
it's a, it's a big enough issue, yeah, that if you're playing the game to a high level or if you're really trying to optimize what you're doing, you're trying to hit that bridge as soon mm. as it yeah, appears on right. the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when you get penalized, I guess. Mm. Um, so I really, really wanted to fix it. And that meant if I couldn't fit it in the space where it was, I'd have to move the whole subroutine somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Big drama. <laughs> but uh, very luckily, I found that the bit that calls that subroutine also had four bytes, five bytes free oh, look, that I could use. It's just so oh, much. Oh, my God. <laughs> you could almost write another River Raid in that. Yeah. <laughs> How big is River Raid again? 4K. 4,000. 4,000 bytes. 4,000. Or 4096, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's vibrating. Like, uh, vibrating? No, I, Someone's vibrating. I think it's Table coming. keeps going... I think it's coming from downstairs. I have the restless leg. I think it is you. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Stop, stop now. <laughs> it just turns out that that's enough place to fix it. So those two spots together can just barely, and they're not because they're not together. You can't really. It's hard to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So did you have to shift something further up to make space at the end to do a thing? Or? No, basically, I had two or three tries in fixing it and thing I might have mentioned before in assembly there's always a way to optimize so the first you, you write something and you think hey, it works it's great it's correct so it's like playing opus magnum a bit <laughs> <laughs> your you friend know, always then, does it better <laughs> yeah there's always a way to improve it down to a point I guess mm-hmm. but yeah it, it, and then staring at it long enough you find another way and then hmm. I made it short enough it fits in test the game nice and it works better now yeah right <laughs> Nice. Until the next bug. Until the next bug. <laughs> if there isn't one. Because <laughs> that so, was stressful enough. So when you're testing it, does that mean you have to be like, you have to optimize your play to be able to test that the bug's still not there? Or? So in this case, I was doing that in Stellar, the testing in Stellar, and you got oh. save states. Oh, okay. So I just played a great one mm-hmm. and, and saved it right at the correct position. Yeah. And, I, and I could see where exactly I had to shoot to yep. make it happen. Yeah. Would they have had save states back in the day? Could they have done something like that? On real machines? No, no. 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 Come on, John. Can you imagine if you found a bug like that? We need to, like, double your memory at least. Uh, Actually, now that you say that, of course you could do that. Like the Commodore 64 action replay cartridges, you can freeze them Mm. and then save them where they're up to. Yeah. Could you save them where they're up to? Could you? Or just save them (laughs) where the current load was. I never had one. So there were. I can't all, remember. The, all now. these games would have been programmed on the actual hardware. Uh, they wouldn't have been programmed on like a PC, and then. No, I think it would have been a PC. Yeah, so if it's a PC, then the memory's not really a problem, isn't it? No, no, but you they wouldn't have played it back on the PC. You program uh-huh. it on the computer, uh-huh. and there's like a de- you would have like a debug unit, right? Okay, a special cartridge that you plugged into something, yep. things like that, right? Okay, I'm just wondering if, yeah, the developer back in the day would, would have they to, have had sta- save states? Yeah, would they have these? They have to sit there and play the perfect game to get that <laughs> recreate that um, that bug, yeah. you know, environment. Mm. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, so I have to rewrite all of my ROMs to have the updated version in it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What what uh, version of ROM are you up to? I got no idea. You haven't been keeping track? No. Nah, well, every change is... Every iteration, nah, no way. 
terrible. Back when I was no doing software developer here. <laughs> you should be following a, a strict versioning control system. I've got we some considering version zero point nine nine seven three. I've got some older versions, but it it was just when I felt like I was doing a big enough change where I thought I might break the whole thing. That I'll just like make a copy of the ROM, but I keep going. Hmm. I don't know what I've, so I've got probably ten older versions but I don't know what, what's different about them anymore right when I write the manual I'm going to have to comment about this <laughs> Matt's newest River Raid ROM Matt's newest River Raid ROM to, 09 the funny thing three. is version who knows <laughs> in, in, so the new folder folder the ROM I had folder. was called River Raid you know, <laughs> in brackets is 1982 in, in and when you go in Windows in Explorer you go copy and then paste on the thing mm-hmm. it adds it thinks you want to add one to the number so it goes 1983, ah, 1984, 1985. Right, okay. <laughs> I've got up to 1989. I thought it was copy then, of something and then copy of, copy of. Yeah, but if you, but there's, there's something they do where if you had a number on the end... Ah, it, right. It just oh, that's pretty tricky. ...adds that number up, yeah. That is tricky. Hmm. Wait, yeah. is the number in brackets? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, they're smart enough to see it's in brackets too. Well, yeah. if you copy a file into a destination where the same file is and you don't want to override it, it will add bracket one oh. mm. after the end after mm. the file name. Oh, maybe that's what it's, it yeah. thought it was already doing. Yeah, the file was already like that though. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, riveting, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Someone should post this on Reddit.com/slash/r/slash/mildlyinteresting. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and the only other news is I bought another sacrificial cartridge. Oh. So this is a Starmaster cart that still has a label, but it's in so poor condition. There's no way anyone would want this. <laughs> the screw, there's two screws in it which are exposed. They're not supposed to be, and they're rusty. They're, they're just basically rust. Hmm. And there's black. So you may or may not be able to get them out. Stuff. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> drill them out. Hmm. It you looks can drill awful. them out. Huh? You can drill them out. If you need to. But do you need the... Is there... Um, uh, what do you call it? Mm. My brain's not working. Um, <laughs> Too much gum. 30-year-old yeah. gum. <laughs> Got gum in the works. <laughs> uh, what do screws have on them? Thread? Yeah. Does the... the cart have thread on it? Yeah, in the plastics. Yeah, so you'd have to be careful drilling it out then. You drill out so. the thread too, but you're just drilling out the top. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't opened it yet. Hopefully, only oh, the so top you of got the it. screw. I got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you didn't bring it for show and tell. Oh, I thought you did. Guys didn't like show and tell. What? <laughs> Maybe you we do, just did a whole thing with Donkey Kong gum. Of course, we, we love show and <laughs> tell. We love show and tell. It's you that don't like show and tell. Well, I should, like the, the dear listeners have no idea what we're looking at. No, that's all right. But okay. it's all about your reaction. It's when it's your ooh and your ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's too late now. I can't bring it next time. No. Already well, you can, but, you know, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it was actually, even though it's in such bad condition, it was packaged probably the best of any of the carts I bought because it was in a sealed bag. What? Wow. Um, not stapled over, even. It was, it's, it's like a heat seal. They, they what? done that to it. And... Stuffed the inside of the cartridge with um, paper and stuff, so that because the board and the two prongs are usually floating in mm. there, so that they couldn't get mucked off. My God! Yeah, was, you know, oh, hang on. Much care was put. Wasn't into this a rare game? No, nah, Star Master. No, no. 
I thought you didn't you point towards a rare game that you were thinking of buying and then murdering. So, so for everybody else, I was looking on eBay for carts to break. Yeah, came across this ninety nine cent cartridge of some game we'd never heard of. It was it was the label. I mean, it was the condition was fine, but it was just word text on the label. Yeah, like like and typed on with a typewriter, was it or something like that? Yeah, it was just I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, shitty. And and I I turned to Mark and said. There's no way anybody wants this game. I should just get this one and, and take that apart. Mm-hmm. And then later went home and <laughs> looked on Atari Age. And they give rarity values, rarity ratings for games. And this one happened to be like a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a, like a repro or something. Well, this was... Okay, so this would have been a Powell version that we were looking at. Mm. And they only gave rating for the NTC one. So it's possible right. different, but mm. still probably not a common game. Mm. So I made the point you should have bought that so you can murder that just like the other Atari, rare Atari that you're murdering. It's perfect. Right. Just murder all the rare things. Yeah. With abandon. One, yeah. two falses don't make a, a right. Two two wrongs don't make a right, Mark. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So I think that's the main thing I'll be doing in the future is looking for carts that I can sacrifice not rare ones hmm. yeah. find the crappiest carts. thing on eBay and buy them hmm. no one else wants them I'll take it hmm. Yeah, so I can make more of these games hmm. good hmm. now you need a label yeah I do actually I have, <laughs> how, do I, how do I do this send me the artwork okay solved solved <laughs> <laughs> the easier thing, easiest thing we've done today yeah well easy for you yeah, I'm not doing anything, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be easy. Cool. Anything cool. else on your river raiding? No. So we played Stellar Conflict mm. with Mark Williams today. Mm-hmm. Uh, How long do you think it took? 20 minutes? Yeah, it's longer than that. Okay. Well, I, I guess we sort of... We ate food whilst Mark was setting the game oh, up yeah. and talking. And if you include all that stuff. I was just... Mm. I meant like the actual playing of the oh, game. Oh, right. Once we'd started. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty quick. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so what did we do? We picked a deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 spaceship combat, mm. and you have cards, and there's different decks for each race of ships, mm. and basically you use like your tabletop as you know the area of space where your ships are going to have their combat, and on the cards there's the artwork of the ship, and then it's weapon or weapons um, a lot of them had like three and they're all laser weapons and they're firing off in different trajectories hmm. and basically that is where 
that ship is going to fire in the combat. And so you use, in, in our case, we used a, a little laser light that Mark had um, to like see the trajectory of where the laser shot goes on on the table. Yeah, because he had a, a laser that didn't uh, go in a beam. It was sort of a horizontal line. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen something like that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, the, the game itself comes with like little rubber bands to so that you can draw out the straight line for the laser's trajectory. Mm. Um, but yeah, the laser light works too. You know, assuming that you can hold it steadily. Mm. <laughs> Which Mark was having some trouble with. Yeah, there was a couple of line calls there where we had to ask him to, okay, <laughs> hold it still, still. <laughs> Is it going through that shield or not? Yeah. Yeah, so each of the cards have different um, red borders around certain areas of the card, which is indicating the shields of that ship. Mm. So it can't be shot through the shields unless it's like some kind of special weapon that goes through shields. Yeah. Um, which is not that common, but does happen in the case of Matt, the sneaky shield penetrating mm. weapons. Chose the cheating race. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Um, and basically how the game works is you have a designated amount of time, which I wasn't sure if you could choose the amount of time, but Mark said 60 seconds. So we had 60 seconds to uh, place our ships on the table, which you're essentially deciding like the trajectory of all your firing mm. when you're doing that. And but where also, your shields are. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And there's no limits to where you can put it, so it's not like you have to put them all on your side or anything like that. So it comes, it becomes this random scramble of ships. Um, so you have 60 seconds to place down all your ships, uh, and then after that you resolve the combat. So um, It's basically like, um, like I think Mark was explaining to me, it's like all of these ships just suddenly warped into mm. this one location. Yep. They appear... And then just blast all their weapons yeah. all out at once, mm-hmm. regardless whether it hits a friend or foe. They just fire. Yep. yep. So you can destroy yourself. Hmm. <laughs> and they all have uh, like initiative scores. So smaller ships tend to shoot first, um, and the big ships, which tend to have larger weapons and more shields, shoot towards the end. Hmm. Uh, and if ships get destroyed from earlier fire, then that can create holes in the combat which can turn into you shooting yourself and that sort of thing. Mm. And that's, I think, where the real fun of the game comes in. So I think I think Matt did the most self-destruction in that game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to be really careful because like, your ship could have three lasers going in three different directions and you might put it down aiming at a particular ship, but then if you don't notice that this other laser is pointing in that other direction, mm. you might accidentally shoot yourself or think you're safe, but then one of the other ships gets destroyed, mm. you know, creating that hole. Yeah. What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was good. Mm. As a sort of uh, a game you can just very quickly just throw things on the table and get started and resolve it. Um, I thought it was really fun. Mm. And it was kind of good, I thought... Uh, uh, well, initially I thought it was a little bit weird, but 
I thought it was good that no one really lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously a winner, the mm. person with the most amount of points at the end who destroyed the most amount of ships. Don't know. That no, was me. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, sure, there's a winner, but, you know. Uh, but also, I think it would be very unlikely for someone to just get wiped out. So, by the end of the game, you've probably still got a few ships, but that's it. You know, you you add up the points. The person with the most points hmm. is, I suppose, technically the winner. <laughs> but you haven't been wiped out. You're, you're still alive. You still yeah. get a couple of ships and they fly away and live to fight another day, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's what I'm telling myself because I came second last. The, the delegation from Bell's Land <laughs> went on and reconceived to... Create oh, more ships. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> more bells. <laughs> we need more bells. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. It it would be interesting to see how the game would change on a larger table. Hmm. So, because we played a four player game and we all had like about between like what five to sort of eight ships and the ships are well it's kind of hard to describe it's i guess like a coaster it's like sized. a coaster size yeah. yeah and then and the table we have is what like a meter squared mm. yeah um and so it was pretty much full and there wasn't many gaps but if you did that in like a two meter squared space you'd have a lot more gaps and you'd also have to be a lot more careful about your aiming. Mm. Like in like the last ship I placed was pretty much in the middle of the table and I put it between two other ships, which I knew it would get hit by, but I was just hoping it would hit them first, you know, mm. um, and it would be able to withstand because it was my, my strongest hull, like ship with the most hull strength. Was that the one that died first? Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> but I noticed by the end of it, and I don't know whether this is uh, just going to be, this is a pattern within the game. The ships around the outside of the field mm. seem to survive the longest. Mm, mm. Yeah, it it probably does make sense because the closer you get to the center, technically the more likely, the more laser shots are going to yeah. go through that area, right? Yeah, yeah. But th- again, that's something that I think if you had a space that was twice the size wouldn't be as much of a an issue so mm. because there'd yeah it'd be so much more sparsely more sparsely more that sparse <laughs> less there'd be big. a lot there'd be a lot more space yeah <laughs> um yeah it would change the game a lot i think and I, I wonder if the game recommends like table sizes it probably does mm. but yeah the other thing about that ship which i didn't even notice until later was it had an ability where it reflected damage if it got hit on its shields. And it had shields on either side. of So of the four squares, it was kind of like two sides were shielded and two sides weren't. So I could have, mm. if I just rotated it 90 degrees, it would have reflected all the damage from those ships and wouldn't have been destroyed and would have in turn destroyed the ships around it. Mm. Which I just I just didn't read its special ability on the card, mm. and I uh, wish I had. But anyway, I guess it doesn't matter because I still won. Oh, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> Technically, the swarm. My strategy was the swarm. 
Well, I told you, I'm, I'm you know, heading back now and I'm going <laughs> to procreate and make many more and come back even harder and stronger. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Matt? It's okay. Cool. <laughs> That's a good review from yeah. Matt. Put it on the back of the box. Hmm. Matthew Tolhurst, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if they'll put that Five on the stars. back of the box. <laughs> 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 so it's for the first time playing, it's hard to say that we had any strategy. I just placed cards. I placed the first few down, I think, thinking, yeah, probably that looks right. I just point the lasers at someone, mm-hmm. not me, but that didn't work. <laughs> and the last few were just kind of, okay, there's a spot there, there's a spot there, there's a spot there. So um, all the times you self-destroyed, yeah. was that because something bet- was between you and your other ship? And I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And they were all in the middle, which, as we oh, mentioned, that, the, the, yeah, the center of the right. table just got cleared yeah. out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, when I think about it, I did put a lot around the outside, but I think part of that happened because my whole strategy was lots of cheap ships mm. and so i had lots of ships that didn't do much damage and didn't have much hull strength or shields and so i tended to put them around the outside but that was more because i was just trying to spread them out mm. uh, away from each other rather than yeah being in the center but since the lasers the lasers have infinite range anyway mm kind of doesn't matter how far away they are from it yeah yeah Mm. yeah no it was fun and maybe um before a podcast i mean particularly if we record here in 1989 Mm. we can play a 20 minute game of Mm. something beforehand yeah make that a bit of a habit Mm -hmm. okay uh for me i went to the brisbane pinball masters Um, so this is the, or it is now, the largest pinball competition ever held in Australia with 130 players uh, over four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I've got some, I've written down some notes here, so excuse me if it sounds like I'm reading stuff because I will be reading stuff. Because... Mm. Um, Well, I'm hoping it's not going to be a fair bit to go into, but there's a little bit of stuff here. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I flew up on the Tuesday. So the whole thing kicked off on Thursday night, but I flew up on the Tuesday. And originally, I was going up on the Tuesday because I was going to do a feature on Netherworld Barcade Mm -hmm. um, in Brisbane as part of Game the Systems features in the play uh, section like we've done for 1989, um, Arcade Bar and Kitchen. But unfortunately, the photographer, Matthew Venables, also our friend, also an amazing pinball player, mm-hmm. he had to pull out at the last minute. So um, instead, I decided, well, I've already got the flights organised, I've already got the accommodation organised. I want to still make use of the time I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I arranged to um, have an interview with Jimmy Nails, the owner of Netherworld, and just do an audio interview and include it in this podcast. And mm-hmm. so that interview will be towards the end of this current podcast. It goes for about 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I landed on the Tuesday, I went to my accommodation. Um, it was literally around the corner from Netherworld, which was fantastic. 
not even two minutes walk. So that was really, really good. Really nice hotel as well. Um, but on the Tuesday, I sort of, I was a little bit tired. I didn't really, I was not right, really in the mental headspace of wanting to, you know, get into a lot of gaming and talking and stuff like that. And plus, once Brisbane Masters kicks off, it's just going to be chaos. Mm. Lots of noise and very little sleep and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I mainly just hung out at my accommodation, relaxed. Wednesday morning I got up um, pretty early and went and met Jimmy and had the interview. Mm-hmm. And then I did go back to Netherworld that day and play some games and probably drank a few too many beers a little <laughs> bit too quickly. <laughs> so I ended up going back to the accommodation and sleeping rather early. Um, and then on the Thursday morning I checked out of my accommodation and met up with my uh, adventurers for the rest of the four days. Mm-hmm. And there was ten of us. Yeah, so we had an Airbnb booked um, with seven bedrooms, about five bathrooms or something like this. This seemed to me, and for everyone else as well, like a place that was specifically built for Airbnb. Because it didn't look like a normal house. I mean, who has seven bedrooms? It's a house, not an apartment or anything. No, it was a house. Right. And not like, you know, not not like a McMansion or... You know, a really, what you would think of as a really big, nice house. It looked like uh, a terrace that you might see in Newtown, mm. but a little bit wider mm-hmm. and double story. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it was big, but also thin, if that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm. Um, but mostly just packed with bedrooms. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it was really, really nice. And, yeah, so I met up with my adventurers, which were... And I've got them written down here so I don't forget because there's a lot of them. Um, so there was me. There was Tim Chapman from Melbourne, previously from Sydney. We know Tim very well. Mm-hmm. Naomi and Brett Goodwin from Newcastle. Paul and Logan Jones from Wollongong. Andrew Ferguson from Northern Sydney. Greg and Michelle from Down My Way, which is southwest Sydney. And Pat Nichols from Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we all met up, we went back to our accommodation, uh, and then on the Thursday night was the first competition, which was pin golf. And for people who aren't aware, pin golf is kind of a pinball competition where instead of going for score, where you're trying to beat the other players in your group, you're trying to complete a certain goal. So for instance, um, you start your game, first ball... Your goal is to, say, start multi-ball in Metallica, for instance. If you do that on your first ball, you score a one, a hole-in-one, basically. Mm -hmm. You do it on your second ball, you score a two. You do it on your third, you score a three. If you don't do it after your first three balls, then you score a four because, yeah, you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the first competition on the Thursday night. Uh... I did really, really badly, terribly. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, even to the point where there was one game I was playing, and I can't even remember what it was, but it was one of the games with the upper right flipper. And on one ball, I flipped from the upper right flipper and flipped the ball to the left out lane, mm-hmm. and it was gone. There was no <laughs> ball saves in this competition at all. 
And then my next ball, that's, I did that's exactly not... the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> Two balls in a row. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I saw you. I watched you do that tonight. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Um, but not two times in a row. No. And particularly in a competition, you don't want to do that. It's, it's a, a little bit embarrassing. Those upper flippers can be really dangerous for that sort of thing. They can be. And if you're a little bit too late. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, the winner of the pin golf tournament was Greg G from New South Wales. Second place was Richard Rhodes. He's from Melbourne, but previously he was Sydney. Um, and then third was Paul Jones. Then Friday night was the three strikes comp. Uh, and this is a competition where you're playing with three other people in your group. So four all up in the team. Uh, the people who come third or fourth get a strike. The people who come first and second go through to the next round without a strike. Mm-hmm. Once you have collected three strikes, you're out of the competition. Any guesses as to how, well, how I went? <laughs> Three strikes immediately Close Okay It was pretty much that Except for one game on Demolition Man Where uh, I was I, I should have been knocked out But the last player, last ball He started multi-ball hmm. um, He literally only needed to hit one more switch of anything To wow. pass my score and he just immediately drained all his balls and he was done. And so I got given a free pass. So not even, like, in bonus or anything? Uh, after bonus had counted. Wow. Once looking at the scores, he could have literally just hit any switch on the game and he would have passed my so score. was he, like, ten points behind you or something? It was something ridiculous like that. Wow. Yeah. Which, in pinball, ten points is nothing. Hmm. But it's Demolition Man. It's a high-scoring game, so it wouldn't be ten points. Uh, but Probably a yeah. hundred or something. But yeah, so I got given a free pass on that one, which I didn't deserve because I just played like ass. (laughs) It was terrible. Um, But then after that, I got knocked out anyway. Uh, And Marco Rosalini. uh, No, hang on. I should say his name correctly. Rosignoli. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly even so, but that's how it looks to me on paper. Um, he won the three stri- strikes comp, so mm-hmm. congratulations to him. If you don't know Marco, he's also an author. He has authored a number of pinball books. If you Google search pinball book Marco, it'll come up in mm-hmm. Amazon or places like that. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of his books. Uh, he's up in the Newcastle area. Um, I've been to his house. He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, awesome to see him win that one. Mm -hmm. Then on Saturday morning, it was the main event, the Brisbane Pinball Masters qualifying rounds. So there were six rounds, um, four-player groups, each playing three games. Uh, So you go through your round, you play your three games, depending on your position, you get given a score. So if you finish first, you get seven points. Second, I think it's five. Third, I don't know, I think it's maybe three or two. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Um, and then after the six rounds, the points are all tallied and whoever's up the top is qualified first, etc., etc., etc. I did really, really badly again. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, after... Th- 
three rounds, I think it was, I was ranked about 112th or something like that out of 130. It was really wow. bad. Really, really, really bad. I just could not hit a ball. Wow. Yeah, it was embarrassing. That's, I mean, I know that you're a good player, and do you know what your ranking is in Australia? Uh, it's 38th at the moment. Right. Yeah. No, it's around there. Yeah. Anyway, 38th, 40th, around there. Right. Yeah, which is kind of, you know, I would have at least expected you to be in the 60s, sort of like halfway, mm. at least. Hmm. That's no, pretty, it was pretty bad. It was it was really <laughs> bad, and I could feel it too. I I knew I was playing really badly. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, in the last three rounds, I actually did really quite well. Um, I think I improved my play a little bit, and I also got a little bit lucky. So I, at the end of it all, I jumped all the way up to thirty eighth place, which is more than I deserve. <laughs> um, I don't even know how I managed to get to thirty eighth place from being below 100 um but yeah it was three rounds of really good games sometimes these kinds of comps can work out like that though can't they like Mm. i mean i remember being in in a bat cave comp and yeah having huge jumps in places uh after certain rounds were completed Mm. and it was just to do with the way that the bracket works and Mm. Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember specifically how it works, but it was something to do with because you know um, you had yeah I don't know I, I can't explain it. Well, I think it's because I think what you're thinking of is because it's Swiss, what they call a Swiss uh, format, where you end up after a round determines which players you'll mm. play in the next round. Yeah. So if you do really badly, you play against the other people who did really badly. Mm. If you did really well, you play against the people that that did really well. Mm. So besides the top-tier players that are just having blinder games and can continue to play with the top other top-tier players and and get wins, Mm. you can have a situation where it would be complete reverse of my situation where they just cream the first three rounds... Mm. But then the last three rounds, they're up against all the players that have also mm. creamed everything and have done really, really well. And yeah. then suddenly they just dive. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit backwards for me. But yep. the trick with that format is to just stay consistent. A yep. consistent, okay-ish run all the way through yeah. and then maybe have a good round at the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, my good three rounds at the end wasn't enough to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But I already knew that, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> but yeah, finishing 38th, uh, I'm happy with that considering how shit I was playing mm-hmm. and it's probably better than I deserved, like I said. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome competition regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the Saturday morning. Um, and then let's see. So at the end of the qualifying rounds... Top qualifiers were Peter Watt from, mm-hmm. uh, well, I was going to say Queensland, but he's really top of north of New South Wales. <laughs> but people regard him as a Queensland player. Mm-hmm. Nigel Gripstra from Melbourne. Um, he's sort of a new player on the scene, but he's amazing. A really, really fantastic player. Okay. 
and uh, Luke Marburg from Melbourne. He was in third spot. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night was a flip frenzy. People might know I don't like flip frenzies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was also not in a mental state to feel like I could play a flip frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually pulled out halfway through that competition. I, okay. I made an hour and a half in. <laughs> yeah. And I was in the line uh, going up to put in my, my my newest win. I didn't have many wins, by mm. the way, but mm. putting in my win. And I just turned to Jimmy and I said, can I pull out? I can't keep going. Mm. I can't do it. And he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And Jimmy being the awesome guy that he is, he mm. doesn't, you know, he doesn't care about that stuff. If, yeah. If he, if he knows that you've had enough, then that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. It's yeah. not going to cause a fuss. Yeah, yeah. So I just sort of pulled out, then sat at the back of the room and just, you know, let other people play and just enjoyed watching the, the chaos. <laughs> um, and how did it look from the outside? It looked like chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a flipper frenzy is. And that's, again, I've talked about this before, but it's part of the reason I don't like them. It's, it's well, there are two reasons. There's lots going on. Hmm. It's noisy. You're meeting a new person every five seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, people take it more seriously than what they probably should mm-hmm. and get a bit pushy and shovey and mm. and some people can get a little bit upset if you're taking time with your game. Mm. Um, but it, it's mainly the chaos aspect. There's people everywhere. Mm. It's going very fast. There's lots of noise. But secondly, it's it's a format that's... It's open to exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, people can collude very easily. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I don't really care about that. I don't really care that uh, people don't take it seriously as a competition, or you know, try and get what they can out of it. Mm. It's more that I, I just think, why, why, mm. you know, what's the point of trying to do that? Mm. Mm. You're just there to have fun, really, rather yeah. than try and manipulate things mm, mm. Um, I think yeah. some people are just like that like I think some people see yeah I mean I, I definitely know people who would prefer to win no matter how dishonestly um, than than lose mm. and to them every anything's fair game game like like they'll cheat and if you say well you're cheating and from their perspective, they'll they'll their response to that is like, well, if you don't notice me, then that's your fault. <laughs> mm. If you don't notice me cheating, that's your fault. Yeah, like, or other people do it. So why don't I? Yeah. Well, I I think yeah with yeah I don't know. It's and and to me like the way I look at playing when you're playing a game, a game, you know, the whole point is. The game has rules to create a certain situation, mm. a challenge, mm. to see if you can, like, surmount the challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're just going to circumvent the challenge, then what's the point in even doing it? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, and so, and, and, you know, and games are meant to be, you're meant to have fun. Yeah, yeah. So, the whole point is fun, really, not to see, I mean, it, it's all, it's all, I, I'm a competitive person too, and I... You know, I like to win and, and I take the challenge seriously, but within the environment of the rules that are part of the challenge. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't get it because for me, 
I only take enjoyment in a victory if I've won by winning. Mm. I mean, if, you, if you're not winning by winning, what's what's the point? Mm. I don't get it. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. But, but that so do you think there was people in the flip frenzy, you know, being given a slow game and going, oh, you know what, you can have this win, let's move on? Oh, you can actually do that as part of the rules. Oh, okay. You can forfeit, mm. but you do have to then plunge all the rest of the balls. So if someone forfeits, you go, okay, that's cool, and then plunge the rest of the ball. You can't just then turn the machine off or just walk away or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, there were some other things going on. I mean, Flip Frenzies, it's so chaotic. There's so many people bustling about that there's so many different things that people can do that no one would ever notice. Yeah, yeah. And even just putting your score in, you know, saying, I won, um, that... Mm. can be up to the person who walks up and puts that in mm. because because mm. the loser might stay at the machine and the winner goes or mm. the, or depending on the particular circumstance the loser goes mm. and the winner stays on the machine right. so the loser can just say oh yeah I won that machine mm. so it's yeah but all of that aside that's not really the reason why I don't like flip frenzies it's part of the reason but not the major reason mm-hmm. the major reason is it's just there's just so much going on, mm-hmm. and I just find it a little bit overwhelming, mm. especially with my current sort of mental state. I just mm. find it hard to handle. Mm. And I, I guess the way that you play pinball too, I mean, mm. I know we're similar in that we like to take our time with shots and mm. that sort of thing, and it's not conducive to playing in a flip frenzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I actually don't remember who won that flip frenzy. Okay. So I apologize to the person who won <laughs> that. Um, I wasn't paying attention terribly, seeing as I pulled out and I was sort of sitting on the sidelines. Mm. But additionally, I did try and have a look to see if there were any results posted. And I couldn't find anything, mm. so that hasn't been posted just yet. I did see <laughs> Richard took a video of the award ceremony, so... If you know mm. Richard and your friend was him on Facebook, all right, it should be on his Facebook. I'm both of those things, <laughs> but I didn't look. Yeah, <laughs> I don't use oh. Facebook, so there you go. Uh, but Sunday were the finals of Brisbane Masters, um, and the finals were pretty bloody epic. Um, particularly, I would say the game of Taxi that uh, Richard Rhodes and Pat Nichols played. Mm-hmm. Richard Rhodes just put on a, a clinic. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he's an he's an amazing player, mm. and especially on those sort of era of machine, mm-hmm. um, just right. watching him play is just like watching, mm. you know, the number one in the world in the US or something playing a game. Mm. It's just, I think it's he's, incredible. He's particularly good when he likes a game, though, too, right? Mm. So mm. I'm guessing he likes Taxi. He must do. Mm. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome, and then um, the very very finals to decide first and second between Peter Watt and Paul Jones um, that was just world class I mean you watch some of these uh, competitions that like the, the majors that happen in the world and and you know top players the the finals match between Peter Watt and Paul Jones was just like that hmm. where someone would put up just a ridiculous score and you go oh my god hmm. no one's going to touch that hmm. and then you know the second player t- comes up and just beats it you know <laughs> not just by a little bit but just smashes it mm. 
and then the next person turns up and just does it again. It's just it's just crazy. Mm. And they had a best of five match. Um, they played on Iron Maiden, or they were going to play on Iron Maiden, Trident, Monster Bash, Pinball Champ eighty two, and an Adams Family. Um, so Peter Watt he won Iron Maiden in bonus. So Paul wow. Jones put up a pretty good score of about ninety mil. Huh. And then Peter Watt just crept over that in bonus. Yeah. Um, and then Peter Watt won Trident. So Paul Jones was already down 2 0. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went and played Monster Bash. And Peter Watt just put on an amazing display of skill of, of stacking in some of the modes with a multi ball, like mm-hmm. starting his creature and then starting the Wolfman on the orbits. Mm-hmm. Leading into multi ball, and he just walked away, and people were cheering, and it was just amazing. <laughs> and then Paul Jones steps up and just has the biggest ball on Monster Bash I've ever seen. Well, actually, you know, I've, I've seen people blow it up a little bit more, but in a final situation, mm. just amazing. He actually got the mini wizard mode, which is all the monsters mm-hmm. and all in this one ball, and just wow. blew Peter Watt's score out of the water, which was already a score that everyone thought he was going to win on. Yeah. So people are, you know, cheering and just, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, And then they went to Pinball Champ 82 and similar to that game, Peter Watt put up a ridiculous score. Paul Jones then sort of caught it um, and then Peter Watt stepped up again and just, you know, exploded again and and I don't think Paul Jones really knew the rules that well, so he was sort of standing back and watching mm. what Peter Watt was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came down to the last ball, and Paul Jones almost got him, but Peter Watt, yeah, just, just took it. Mm-hmm. So Peter Watt won his second Brisbane Masters, the first person ever to win two in a row. Mm-hmm. Paul Jones had previously also won a Brisbane Masters. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic to watch. And somewhat... Uh, What's the word? When you know you you realise you're not as good as what you think you are. Uh, humbling. <laughs> humbling, yes, that's yeah. the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> Where you look at these guys and you go, you know, no, I wouldn't have won a Brisbane Masters. <laughs> <laughs> and if I did I wouldn't have deserved to, because these guys are just a a step above by a wow. long way. Yeah. Jeez. Regardless how shit I played on the weekend, those guys are much better than I am anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So, yeah, that was fantastic. And then that night there was another Flip Frenzy. I did wow. play all the way through in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you won it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did okay, actually. Uh, did you try and play faster? Um, I think because Brisbane Masters had finished, I sort of relaxed. Mm-hmm. So I did feel a little bit better. Um, and the guys there who run the Brisbane Masters and that whole competition, Jimmy Nails and um, Jason Lambert, they do flip frenzies how it should be done, even mm-hmm. though I'm not so particularly keen on the format. They they do it in such a way where they have software that automatically calls out the games that everyone needs to be on. Yep. So you don't need to be looking on a thing or someone mm. else calling it out. It's all automatic. Yep. Um, they've got a touch panel for you to press when you win a game or lose a game. Okay. As opposed to lining up in a queue and handing in, you know, written on notes and stuff like that. Yep. But also, besides that, 
they've got just pumping music playing <laughs> while the whole thing's going. Yeah. And it was all sort of uh, 90s alternative music, so that was really, okay. really cool. And people were really getting into it, like dancing and <laughs> doing all this kind of stuff, and it was really, really cool. A- again, in my current mental state, it was a little bit too much for me, but mm. I still got through it and, and enjoyed it, mm. so... They, they do it the right way. Mm-hmm. They do it in such a way where it's like a three-hour party and everyone's just having a great time mm-hmm. and it's cool. So, you know, not to take anything away from anyone because of how I was feeling. Mm. It's it's the right way to do it and mm. everyone loves it. Mm. I think I'm the only person in the world that doesn't like Flip Frenzies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we already know you have weird taste. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was... Brisbane Masters. It was mm. awesome. Yeah. It was four days of pinball, drinking, very little sleep. We ended up at the casino a few times. Mm-hmm. We ended up at Fortitude Valley eating very dodgy kebabs at 4 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. Um, Ten people coming back to an Airbnb at mm-hmm. 2 a.m. in the morning talking way too loudly. <laughs> Pat Nichols organized that whole thing. I'm sure he's getting a bad review on his Airbnb. <laughs> Because those neighbours would have been pissed off. But we had a great time. So it was fantastic. Wow. It sounds like, uh, uh, you know, going on tour with a band or something. (laughs) But instead you're just playing pinball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. And I'm tired. I'm Mm. still tired. Mm. And it's been a number of days afterwards. Um, I did have to go to work the next day. I flew home on the well most pretty much all of us flew back on the monday afternoon Mm -hmm. i slept i went to work on the tuesday because i had some very important meetings i needed to be at and then on the wednesday i took a day off and slept for over 12 hours wow yeah yep and i needed that (laughs) (laughs) how'd those tuesday meetings go oh they were fine actually um i think i've kind of gotten used to powering through important things in a bad way (laughs) i don't know what that says about me but uh yeah just sort of get through it and then when i can take the opportunity of just just crashing Mm -hmm. taking that crash and really really crashing yeah so sleeping (laughs) for over 12 hours worked pretty good Mm -hmm. but i'm still a bit sore and a bit tired Mm -hmm. Mm. but it was all worth it (laughs) do it again next year it sounds good. Yeah, I would really love to go to Netherworld. You have to go to Netherworld. It's amazing. But I kind of like, I, I kind of just want to go there in a the normal time, not like necessarily when a big, a big event is going on. Mm. And the, the event wasn't in at Netherworld. No, right? it was in a separate location. Yeah. So um, I guess you can still go there, but... Did they take games out of Netherworld for it? Yeah, they're actually really good, and I don't know how they do this. They um, they took a lot of their game, well, not a lot, but a few of their games out of Netherworld for the Brisbane Masters, but put in uh, backups. Okay. And to be honest, the backups were in a little bit uh, funny condition. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd have trough problems, or mm. um, they wouldn't be leveled properly and stuff like that. But mm. I mean, that's just being really nitpicky considering yeah. they're moving games out and putting other games in that are yeah. probably owned by other people and mm-hmm. 
they're just trying to keep things going mm-hmm. whilst doing this ridiculously huge competition. Yeah. So I sort of mentioned this in the interview with Jimmy Nails that um, I just can't believe he gave me an hour of his time mm. considering not only is he running Netherworld, mm. he's running Brisbane Masters, the largest pinball competition ever held in Australia. Mm. He's going to Pinburg. He's at Pinburg right now. Right. He's going to Pinburg in the USA. <laughs> the largest tournament ever held in the world mm-hmm. with 800 players. He's also running a flip frenzy over in the USA during that time what? at why? one of the barcades over there. <laughs> so I don't know how why he has he, time for all of these oh, things. Is that for the software they're showing off the software? Yeah, they're showing off the software. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also to show off the format because it's, right. oh, okay. it's not really known outside of Australia. I think really? it was originally... I think it was originally invented in Japan or something like that. Okay. But it's really exploded in Australia for whatever reason. And the rest of the world don't really know about it. So right. it's kind of them touring it, that idea. But isn't it a, like, sanctioned format in IPA? Yeah, it's a sanctioned format, yeah. Yeah. The, it doesn't get played anywhere else. Well, any any format that you want to do has to... Like, if you want it to be IFPA sanctioned it has to go through them and you would just talk to the australian ifpa reps which is not hard to do Mm. and then they talk to the ifpa okay Mm. yeah it's it's not it's not that hard to have that sort of thing done okay Mm. yeah i understand they have had a few flip frenzies in the usa but not with the software because this software that they use that again makes it um run a, a whole lot smoother and better is uh, unique to Netherworld because mm-hmm. the guy who built it is one of the Netherworld guys mm-hmm. or at least a good friend of the people who run Netherworld So, and he's gone over to the USA as well to run this comp mm-hmm. so yeah maybe that's a good segue to go into our interview with Jimmy Nails mm. um, like I said it's really awesome that he gave us some of our time mm-hmm Um, And we will start that interview here. Jimmy Nails, welcome to Game the System Podcast. Thanks, mate. Very happy to be here. Uh, so I know you've got a lot of things going on right now. Um, you run Netherworld, obviously. Yep. Um, you're running Brisbane Masters. Yep. You're going to Pinburg in the USA. <laughs> yep. So we really, really appreciate you giving us a bit of time. So yep. thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, so let's get started with some of the basics. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, um, tell us what Netherworld is. Uh, so Netherworld is the brainchild of myself, uh, Ben Nichols, uh, Kieran Ryan and, and our partners, Beck and Cara. Uh, we've been open for 18 months. It's probably best described as a monster-themed arcade bar, mm-hmm. um, but we take all of the elements of the bar pretty seriously, so we've got a 16 uh, taps of craft beer. Uh, we make our own in-house sodas. We have a full kitchen. Um, we have a pretty. We have some of 
Brisbane's best cocktail makers in the bar, so even our cocktail list has done really well. Hmm. Uh, and then on the floor, we've got anywhere from 13 to 16 pinballs and 20 to 30 arcade machines. Yep. Uh, six or seven co- classic consoles around the venue and over 200 board games. 200? Yeah, it's, it started wow. about 120, I think. <laughs> but now pushing 200. Uh, Where do you and even, even that, put those? Yeah, they're, yeah they're, we may need more shelving at some <laughs> stage. But even though that was an element of the business, we didn't even... We thought it'd be a nice side thing. And mm-hmm. we were blown away the first weekend we opened that went for a walk and literally every single table in the venue had an arcade, uh, had a board game on it. Wow. And even still, you come on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock when you think it might be more of a drinking scene, yep. still every single table will have people playing games. And they're not wow. just playing simple games they're playing in-depth games that take six or seven hours to complete yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like it's pretty amazing so that's something we that really surprised us that but, must cause problems when it comes to closing time uh yeah it can it can do <laughs> most people are pretty understanding and patient but um and then we do um uh, we also do a lot of side events and night events so we do dungeons and dragons uh oh, yeah. two times a month now which our staff oh. run uh, so Mitch Wilkins, one of our stuff, uh, he's a DM and looks after getting all the DMs organised for that. That sells out in 30 minutes every every month. My God. Yeah. Uh, so we're starting to do little niche events with that uh, and some training nights as well, training people to be DMs. Hmm. Uh, then we have trivia every Wednesday night. Again, sells out as soon as it goes on sale. Wow. Um, we have an arcade club that meets once a month. Uh, we tend to try and do a feature game every month. Australia has some really good arcade players. Yeah, they do. Uh, Brisbane has some incredible arcade players. Uh, last month, we did a feature on Space Invaders, and John Tannehill is a local. He's the current world record holder. Oh, wow, really? Uh, so he gave like a half-hour tutorial on history on the game. Uh, Tyson, our bar manager, he normally does like a brief history some really funny points about the of the game we're featuring mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah John did a nice nice rundown of the method he uses which I don't know if you've seen it but it's no I haven't I can't think what it's called right now but <laughs> it's, it's, got it's like called the wall of death basically right where you let all of the uh, ships drop right to the bottom and you just sit directly under them and there's a Jeez. bit of a glitch in the game where they can't shoot you from if you're directly under them Ah, right. But if you miss a single shot and they drop to the bottom, you're, you're, you're dead. Stuck. So it takes yeah. nerves of steel. It's did easy he, to watch. Did he do that record here? Or? No, so okay. he did set... He set this... He was second in the world to Richie Knuckles for several months, and I think he got 64,000 here at Netherworld, but then he got nearly, or I think over 200 at home a few months wow. later. Huh. So he's thinking about it's maybe some stage this year, maybe early next year, of having a run and trying to double that, see how far he can go, spend you know six or eight hours on stage and see how well he can go. Wow. Um, and then this month we're featuring Wonderboy, uh, and we currently have world record holders one and two in Queensland, Neil Cairns and Shane Saul are one and two, hmm. right. uh, which they did at Netherworld maybe four months ago. Okay. Maybe less. Uh, which is pretty wild. It was, um, I think, up until that morning, Neil's best was 1.2 million, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and his first game of the morning, he got 2 million. Which wow. Was <laughs> unbelievable. And one of the, it was one of those things where we talk about, I talk about competitive arcade gaming a bit, and 
having the extra skill set of being able to perform on demand or in yeah. a crowd or in a head-to-head setting. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that was one of those moments where Neil just, because of the scenario with 10, 12 people standing around watching, he just played yep. out of his skin. Yeah. <laughs> and he literally, like, stood back from the machine afterwards and was shaking and couldn't believe what, he, what he'd just done. That's amazing. Uh, it was pretty insane. Uh, and, yeah, credit to Shane Saul as well. Shane had Shane got 1.6 or 1.8 or something that hmm. morning as well. It was pretty incredible. Wow. So Neil's going to do a run of uh, a feature of Wonderboy this, I think it's this, uh, no, it's next Saturday. Right. Um, so he'll he'll show some people some skills and how to get through the earlier levels, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Is that a game that you can marathon or does it end? No, definitely Yeah, I thought ends. it was an end. And there's yeah. two endings, I believe, uh, that make, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's two endings for some reason. Neil would be able to tell you a lot more. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a, a final level you can go to, only get to I think if you collect a certain amount of dolls maybe yeah I'm probably right. wrong but hmm. uh, it's a, it makes a big difference to your final score yeah I think you basically have to, if you do a perfect run you get a little extra boss right maybe right. I'm probably messing with that <laughs> but there's definitely something that the guys do yeah that's cool um, that's awesome but yeah the uh, some local guys are really pushing along with a. Uh, a regular called Mike Coolican has put together a little arcade thread on just on Messenger, and it's just kind of brought all those guys together, and they're sharing stories and tips and stuff together, and starting mm. to meet up at the other arcade bars around Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And really, because the pinball scene just tends to thrive and is its own monster. Yeah, getting people to arcade events is a little bit harder because ten- people tend to specialise. Yeah, um, but they're Mike and John McNeil. Uh, all the local guys are really starting to band together and hope to build the scene up. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, which is really great. Um, and they've got a lot to work. You know, they've got um, one up free play arcades. Got a pretty incredible collection, so they got that to go practice at and hmm. as well. Uh, Pincadia. Hopefully, if they open up again in Wollongabba, that'll be another spot for them to yep. practice and meet up at. Cool. Yeah. All right, um, you, you've already covered how many games you have, mix yeah. of arcade and pinball. Uh, oh, yeah, something I'm personally interested in, where did Netherworld, the name, come from? Yeah, we had... So one of the concept ideas was that in a lot of, in a lot of games, arcade, console, you're often going across, like, nasty, devilish, evil terrain to get to the boss. Yep. So we were trying to find a name for that kind of lost midland badlands in between you and the final boss yep yep it's kind of like it's another it's a different world and it's scary and a little bit evil mm, so mm. we're going to call it the badland we had man we probably had quite a few concept names mm-hmm. um, uh, Ben came up with netherworld and yeah as soon as he said it we were just like that's it <laughs> and it just it creates this it, I think it gives a sense of what the place is like and that it's a fun place to go it's a little bit different and yep, strange yeah yep. i think the word just suits perfectly yeah yeah i think you're right um, and i think the gamers as well it has that sort of it makes you think that it's a place to play games yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the phone um should have put that on silent but, um, yeah so we're yeah we're, the badlands was a good one i'm trying to think what some other names were that we had um but it's funny how much time you spend on these things but when oh, the doors yeah. are open they just tend to that's just what what it's called the logo yep. we spent months on the logo but then right. it's just the thing that's in the background now yep yep 
Well, the place speaks for itself, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you hope it speaks for itself. Yeah. It sort of takes itself away from the name and yeah. becomes its own thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we thought, yeah, we thought that it just creates a fun element as well. And it's not taken too seriously. And again, yeah. it's a place that you come to play games and yep. get away. Or not get away, but it's a di- bit different parallel kind of universe. Yep, it's another world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, and the artwork you guys use to promote events, it's its very distinct and really, really awesome. Yeah. Was, was that something that you tried to do or did it just sort of happen? No, we had a pretty good idea that we wanted to be pretty consistent with our posters and really creative. Yep. Uh, at the start, we were using a few different artists, but uh, Mel from Moonshine Madness pretty much does all of them now. Mm. Um, because she's got this consistent style... Uh, it just suits us perfectly. She can put up with our sometimes very vague, sometimes very detailed briefs. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sometimes it's like, we're doing this. Please think of something. Other times it's like, we've got a very clear idea. Can you make it look like this? And yep. she does She does such an incredible job. Um, the Brisbane Library contacted us this year, and they come and collect one of our posters every month. Really? And they're archiving them as part of Brisbane history. That's Which is really pretty cool. cool. That is, That's amazing. Yeah, that, that speaks like, volumes for the artwork. Yeah, it? so yeah. they're just like you know what you guys are doing is so unique. We don't want to lose any of it. Yeah. So that that's you know that's a massive nod to to her and Ben who often are the design and yeah. come up with the concept ideas. Yeah, and I think it's so important as well because it's something that can capture people's attention. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's really really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so a bit of background on Netherworld. So. How did it come to be? Because I understand you were previously in Melbourne. So how yeah. did you end up in Brisbane? Uh, well, I ended up here for family. My wife and I met in London. Um, she moved to Melbourne. We did. We were in Melbourne for five years. Where I, in that time, I started uh, Melbourne's first pinball club at the Peacock, which went went really well. You know, first month I think we had nine people. The next month we had thirty, and then it was thirty plus onwards. Mm. And I started to think that maybe I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is a thing that people do. And then I'm like, oh, you'd probably call it a barcade. And then I went on to Google and put in barcade and the machine just exploded. Yeah. And I was just like, holy crap. Like mm. at that time there was already hundreds in the US. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the concept just mushroomed and got pretty excited about it. I uh, kept running pinball events, started running major events in Melbourne, like the first marathons and the first pin golfs and yep. the first real major IFPA events. Um, I was there the for one of them. There, you I can't been. remember which one it was, yeah, but I was there, there for one There was the first marathon at the Peacock. We did two marathons there, which, man, we were, I was so green then, like the stuff that I used to, <laughs> stuff I used to do. But everyone, like, you know, that's why we can... We're experienced now and can run an event with 130 people and not yeah, be stressed right. about it because yeah. we went through all those smaller events. Yeah. But yeah, got the concept idea. I get you know just started researching and reading thousands of reviews of barcades in the US, mm-hmm. um, and then moved to Brisbane. Like it was literally the first thing I did was find a pinball club. I can remember meeting Riff Randall and telling him this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I got a job as a beer rep. Which was brilliant because I got to learn Brisbane very quickly, got to yep. meet a lot of people, um, was telling a lot of people what I was wanting to do mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of uh, looking for investors and partners. Mm-hmm. And luckily, eventually, Ben and Kieran from Scratch Bar got wind and heard and we sat down and compared notes and 
compared business plans and they were literally they were carbon copies of each other pretty much like even down to um the vegan element of the kitchen which is pretty funny we were both too shy to mention the vegan element at our first meeting (laughs) right and i i literally had it on a page and i flicked over the page and ben did the same thing and he rang me like six hours later and he's like oh i got one more thing and it's not a deal breaker but i'm really passionate about it but i really want to have some I really want to have a focus on vegan food. And I mm-hmm. just started laughing hysterically. And I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but on page whatever, I had the exact same thing written, but I was too shy to show you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, after that, we're like, oh, man, that's just a, it's a locked in, man. Let's go for it. Yep, yep. So I was very fortunate. Ben and Kieran have run Scratch Bar for five years, I think, at that stage. So the, the experience they brought to the setup and budgeting and, mm. you know, just the background stuff that a bar like this requires which mm-hmm. you know I, I thought I had thought of everything but when we finally got into the nitty gritty I hadn't uh, thought of everything yeah I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine how like it's insane it yeah what, what goes into putting together something like this so I couldn't have been luckier with the experience they brought to the table mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my experience in the pinball and scene got me connected to all of the collectors which where all our games came from so we're a pretty good match and we're both we're all very passionate about beer that scratch bars pretty much regarded as brisbane's first small craft beer venue all right um small bar slash craft beer bar is still regarded as one of the best craft beer venues in australia all right so we were Mm. all very passionate about beer so that helped Mm. as Mm. well we always thought that was a good match yep yep so yeah very fortunate um, okay, so I was going to ask, is this your first bar arcade? Obviously it is. Yeah. Um, how hard was it getting started? I imagine you, you already sort of touched on some of that anyway. And uh, what's sort of the reaction you've been getting? Um, it's been pretty insanely positive. Hmm. Like I get that feeling. <laughs> it's been pretty insane. <laughs> Like, the amount of likes we have on our Facebook page is astronomical. Mm. The reviews, I think, are still averaging 4.9 out of 5, which that's, it's that's pretty really insane. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes from a variety of reasons, which is that we don't... We take every element of the bar really seriously, like I was saying. You know, the, we don't just make cocktails. We have a really good cocktail list that guys think really strongly about. Mm-hmm. We take the craft beer list really seriously. The kitchen does an incredible job yeah you know um so i think yeah opening an arcade bar and hoping that the games is going to be enough isn't the right way to look at it you've got to you got to draw draw people in for a variety of reasons and that way you've always got a nice mix of people in here yep yeah um that's one of the hardest things is finding the balance between seating for customers and the amount of games and like yeah. I would love to just have 40 more pinballs in here <laughs> but there we know to eat dinner and then yeah. the guy we get because of the vegan menu we get people that just come to eat and they would obviously wish that there was 30 less games and they could bring their <laughs> friends <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday night you'll get people ordering dinner but there's absolutely nowhere for them to sit down yeah. especially because of the board game element a lot yep. of the tables are taken up yep. Half, yep. most of the night yeah um, so it's a it's a tough balance, but um, we've we've been really one of our other ideas not ideas but what we wanted to do was give a space for all elements of gaming. So you know, like I said, we run arcade events, pinball events, board game events, console events, 
um, and just offering a space for people to come and run their own things as well mm, mm. Uh, for a lot of niche communities where they yeah feel comfortable and safe and we offer the place on a Monday night especially for that stuff because the doors are shut so it's just oh, your right. own private space yep yep uh, so that's where a lot of our movie club has recently moved to once a month on a Monday D&D's on a Monday mm. um, we've hosted a couple of pinball events on a Monday mm. Mm. Um, and much reaction from the mainstream media of um yeah I mean obviously we got that huge nod from the Brisbane library so obviously people yep. are watching yep yep uh, I'm trying to think of any big because I don't actually, know whether we it's had, sorry we had Qantas came and did an ad oh which we didn't that, they, they contacted us and said do you mind if we come in and do some filming mm. and I believe that was used as tourism for Brisbane yeah wow but again that was that, we didn't we didn't contact them they just came into us so that's yeah that's another nod that you know we're, we're doing the right thing and we're just you know, we're all very passionate about Brisbane. It's such a young city. It's a very mm. fun, fun city to be at the minute. It's mm. got a little mm. buzz about it because it's just becoming, over the last five years, its own little identity. Yeah, yeah. So anything that can improve the city and draw more people here, like it's got incredible weather. You're seriously blessed that you can wear shorts and a t-shirt for 99.9% of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so. It does get a little hot though. From a Sydney sider, it's it a little hot sometimes. It does. But if you acclimatise my first year here, I pretty much walked around with a white towel on my shoulder like a wrapper <laughs> because I just sweated constantly. Right. But now, four or five years in, you hardly even notice it. Yeah. It's hot, but you just you just yeah. you just don't you just deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other media. Events. I get the feeling that the mainstream media hasn't really caught on to the whole bar arcade thing yeah. just yet like no. obviously it's huge in the US yeah but here I don't think so much just yet no I think they probably also see it as but maybe a gimmick or a novelty thing which yeah. we had even some of our best friends just be like not best friends but even you know had people quite critical saying you know be amazed if you last a year mm. and I'm like really you know barcade in Brooklyn celebrating it's 12th mm. I feel like I feel confident that people will get the concept I feel yeah. you know People have been playing Space Invaders for 40 years. It's not like they're going to stop playing it tomorrow. Yep, yep. Um, but again, that was why we wanted to have a broad range of elements to the business mm, mm. Um, uh, to hopefully give it that longevity. But, you know, Donkey Kong, Frogger, those games are never, probably ever going to stop being played. Yeah. It's a really good point. I mean, these things are 20, 30 years old. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. People no. are still loving them. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, probably even more in some yeah. respects. Yeah. Uh, and some of it, yeah, hopefully a bit of a... These bars as well, I'm sure we'll see another five in Brisbane in the next five years. A couple mm. more in Melbourne and Sydney, I'm sure mm. of it. Yeah, yeah, I reckon so as well. Yeah, I Brisbane. think they'd be mad not to because it's, it's just exploding all over yeah. the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I understand you host world record attempts. How does that work? Yeah, so we the first event we did uh, not long after opening, I think it was early, maybe the March or April of the first year, we did an event called Arcade Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Because what we found, there was a really strong arcade community in Australia, but they had rarely had a place to meet up and go for world record attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we went to our best effort to get as many of our, especially our classic 80s games, late 70s, 80s, to get them with the original hardware, get them to world, you know, Guinness World Record, Twin Galaxies, dip switch settings. Mm-hmm. And we set as many as we could up on the stage and we just invited, if you think you can break a world record, come down, we're going we're gonna to 
um, live stream slash record everything you do. And if you break something, or even if you just want to add to your overall profile on Twin Galaxies, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it up for you and send it over. And hmm. uh, We had a really good response. And the best part about that weekend was there was a lot of guys that had been talking to each other on forums for a decade but had never met face-to-face. Yeah, right. So it was like a party. It was a really, <laughs> it was an incredible weekend. The guys just had a blast. Yeah, uh, I can't think what exactly what records we broke that weekend, but there was definitely but there a few. were some. Oh yeah, oh, most well. definitely. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, Barrow was here from New Zealand, yep. uh, who recently won the Meow Wolf Gallagher School Wars World Championships. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, uh, he's going to be here for Kong off in November. Cool. Um, so. But again, I, I try to, and it's something Richie Knuckles always talked about, and it's something we said from the start, that we want Netherworld, if, if you think you can break an arcade world record, we want you to be able to come here. Mm-hmm. We want, we'll, we'll do our best to have the original board sets for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, still trying to find out ghouls and ghosts. All right, good. <laughs> I'm glad you there mentioned that. There was one online the other week, and it, it, went in like, it went in a heartbeat. Yeah, they're hard to get. Yeah. yeah. But um, i got a good relationship with Richie in the US, so I've been asking him to try and find this one. I might be able to actually help you. Oh, yeah? Well, please, yeah. get it. I mean, if you're... I don't know if you're thinking about coming back up for Kong Off. Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah. Great. So the, um, we'll set up as many arcade games as we... Or as every game in the bar is on dips, Twin Galaxies, Dip Switch settings as default anyway. Yeah. Because you want people to be playing them in that in that format all the time anyway, just for practice. Yep. But um, the Monday after Kong Off... So Kong Off is all day Saturday, final Sunday. Monday... Is a it's, the doors are closed, but Monday we'll all come back. Um, I know Barra is considering going for the Gallagher Marathon World Record that day oh, wow. if Armando doesn't break it between now and then. Yeah. Um, you know, John might have a bash on Space Invaders, and it's just hopefully, provided everyone doesn't have a massive night on Sunday like they did last year, <laughs> and just come in and mostly. What are the sleep, chances? Yeah, that's not going to happen. And mostly just sleep on the bench seats <laughs> instead of go for world records, but <laughs> which is probably what will happen. But again, we you know we've um, we're taking the streaming element at Netherworld more and more seriously every day. Yeah. Um, so just getting really good at setting up a stream really fast, getting it going, so people can can get on our Twitch stream and, and go for world records. I'm trying to think what else might happen that weekend. Um, uh, Kibby, I know I don't know if you saw Kibby did the um, Nibbler main world record oh, in January alright oh, so it was only on MAME so it was just on his PC yep but uh, he sat on stage for just over 20 hours straight wow uh, that's up on that's crazy yeah it was pretty wild he went through some uh, highs and lows in that 20 I hours I can imagine yeah <laughs> it was pretty wild and Oof. massive props to his support crew the, uh, John Tannehill and Johnny Bond sat with him the entire time through the entire 20 hours hmm. just talking to him and getting drinks and yeah um, a bucket perhaps <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes sitting silently while Kibby raged out because he went through some pretty uh, yeah I can dark imagine. moments yeah. in that 20 hours yeah but again we've also we've recently put together an original nibbler cab for him so I got oh. a board from Canada and we've recreated an original Ricola nibbler cabinet with the original Ricola green on it like it's spectacular wow. so he wow. may he is considering going for the arcade world record which is nearly 50 hours Oof. so I'm not sure when he'll have <laughs> the courage to step up to that yeah. but he may well do it um, 
Yeah, yeah again, I, we've always wanted Netherworld to be, you know, if, if you think you've, if there's a chance you can break a world record, please come here, we'll do our best to set it up for you. We'll put mm. you on, if you want to be on stage and you want a crowd yelling at you, we can do that. <laughs> if you want to do it quietly on a Monday by yourself, we can do that as well. Yeah. And yeah. do these people need a profile in Twin Galaxies or does that all get... No, you definitely have to submit yourself. Ah, okay, so right. I think when you sign up, you get one submission for free. Well, not for free, you get one submission and then... To continue to be part of Twin Galaxies, because it's a peer-reviewed system, you need yep. to go onto Twin Galaxies and watch other people's submissions and vote on them. Yeah. And I think it's called submission points. The more times you, the more stuff you watch, and the more you interact with the community, yep. the more points you're awarded, and then you can submit more scores. Right. So I got, I did it. I was doing it quite a lot, um, especially last year. I literally would set up in the morning. I'd open a window and I'd just have a video running of someone going for a world record yep. and especially with stuff I'm interested in like any uh, I just went usually to the arcade section mm-hmm. and anyone playing a game that I know I would just sit and watch hmm. um, and then vote on the submission afterwards yeah right but Twin Galaxies is also much like IFPA points for pinball players you're just trying to build your profile so you yeah. may just you're not going for a world record every time you might just be going oh, I just want to get in the top 10 for this title yep um, and that just builds your overall profile and your overall score on Twin Galaxies. Yep. Uh, which is something that um, even when we run an arcade club, we'll set up a stream most of the time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, again, you might just be aiming for a top 10 on Wonderboy. You get that, we'll cut it up for you and you can submit it. Yeah, right. Um, I can't think what it's called, but yeah, it's much like gathering IFPA points. You just gather various yeah. points on different, different um, threads. They call them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, have you checked out um, some of the other bar arcades in Australia, like Bartronica? Yeah. Um, uh, so I was like from that? Melbourne, so when I Bartronica, I was kind of deep in the research of this place when Bartronica opened. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping to, like, yeah, it was really good. So I went down there, got a, looked around, uh, got some good tips out of what they were doing. Uh, what else was running in Melbourne? Oh, Pixel Alley. Pixel yeah, Alley, Pixel yeah. Alley, which uh, one of my mates, good mates, was managing. So that, that was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, uh, I haven't... The ones in Brisbane, obviously. Yep. Uh, what Stephen Holmes is doing over at 1UP Freeplay is incredible. All right. Uh, I has been there, actually. Oh, man, you really have to go. It is... His machine... His machines are immaculate. Like, mm. They're just—he's very, very passionate. Um, does an incredible job. They get a new game on the floor nearly every week. All right. So I think over time he's hoping to have over 200, 300 cabs on the floor. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he recently just did a nice tour of the US, and I know he went Mac, Doc Mac at um, Galloping Ghost and a few other arcades mm-hmm. across the US. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they would have had a lot to talk about because Doc Mac does a new game every Monday. Yeah. Don't know how. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> So I'm keen on there in a few weeks. So I'm going to go hopefully if I can catch him there. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah Brisbane's cool. pretty lucky. We've got Pincadia, which is shut at the minute. They've got up to 20 pinballs on the floor and a bunch of arcades in the basement. And mm-hmm. then just around the corner, Babak has just opened Pinball House a few months ago. Uh, again, <laughs> his pinball machines are museum quality. They right. are spectacular. Huh. Man, he, what he does, he's really, uh, really clever with um, 
the use of LEDs and mods and yeah he does an incredible job hmm. you can see the time and passion he's put into them yeah I might have to check that out too. yeah you should he's <laughs> a lovely dude really lovely to talk to um, he's loaning us a couple for the masters I think we're going to borrow his mods to bash alright um, which is spectacular um, so yeah we're pretty lucky between between those four venues I think there's over 70 pinball machines between mm. us and those three yeah um, I've got um a good re- I haven't been to 1989 in Sydney but mm-hmm. have developed a good relationship with Ben there yep, in the yep. last few months yep um yeah cool. we, we ran the Battle of the Arcades uh, tournament yes. a few months ago um which went really well um so we had uh Pixel Alley in Melbourne 89 in Sydney Pincadia and 1UP and Netherworld in Brisbane and Player One in Perth, mm-hmm. uh, which went really well. Uh, we had a day of qualifying where each team had to have an internal competition to find their best eight, yep. and then the best eight came back on Sunday to battle the other. The other every, most of the bars set up a nice live stream so we could interact and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We just had one internal scoreboard on match play where all the scores came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was a very cool event. The the best part about that was actually the the team element of it hmm. and the way players were teaching each other and encouraging each other uh, it was amazing that's um, I'd actually even we're going to actually even going to stretch out the Sunday event a bit more next year because it was actually a bit and it was over too fast because right. we were all having so much fun and just working as a group it was all over a little bit quickly because <laughs> I was a bit ruthless I made the Sunday one game best game so you only you can oh, warm right. up Yep, but yep. at 10 o'clock, you got one, each player had one game on the 10, 12 games, and then that was it, mm. um, which is a bit different. I should, perhaps next year we'll follow the US model where you just get a, a, a window of time to post your best scores across, so, across yeah. the 12. Because yep. um, like, there's just as much strategy in that. There'd just be as much interaction, fun chatting. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. Like you know, there might be two guys in your team that are good at bomb jack, so you gather around and watch them, and they'll show you how to get through level one at least. Try and get a perfect on level one. Yep. If everyone can do that in your group. You're flying, and then other mm. th- other games, uh, the classic reverse elbow on double dragon that takes uh. one second to teach anybody. <laughs> <laughs> how to finish double dragon? Elbow. <laughs> <Yeah>. Reverse elbow. <laughs> uh, Still a great game. All right, so um, interested to hear a little bit about your own gaming background. Um, yeah. So, how and when did you start gaming, and what's some of the moments that sort of stick in your mind? Uh, definitely had Atari console when I was super young. I can remember me and my brother playing a lot of Atari, a lot of Berserk and Pac-Man. Oh, Sequest. Man, me and my brother had the Sequest obsession. Really? <laughs> oh, man. We were monsters at it. We loved that game. <laughs> that was our own little internal house comp. But we were, yeah, man, we played that game a lot. Right. Uh, and then I probably cycled through Super Nintendo's up to PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm trying to think. The last console game that I ever got stuck into was Metal Gear Solid 1. That's the last time I played a console. Okay. That's a long time ago. Yeah, that is a long time ago. Man, it is a really, it's really <laughs> sad. <laughs> no, it's not really sad. You're running Netherwall yeah. with all these games here. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I can remember uh, being interested in pinball uh, when I was a, in my early teens, there was a pizza joint in Morty called Morty Burgers. Mm-hmm. And they had this dark 
grungy arcade out the back, and I remember watching uh, the older guys play play pinball. So I remember remember watching how they could throw the machine around and well, you know nearly tilt it through a wall. <laughs> I was tiny then, God, I was so short in high school, and I remember I'm like, yeah, I could do that, and getting up and trying to shove a machine, I just didn't even, <laughs> didn't even flinch in my little arms. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then uh, did a lot of travelling, but fell back into pinball at the Peacock in Melbourne. Hmm. Um, was simply spent a lot of time we had a Lord of the Rings machine which I think that machine just got me obsessed with pinball because it's really it's really simple to understand if I move this if I hit the button the rollovers move if I start and then you start thinking if I start that mode as I start this multi-ball thing I'm doing two things at once it's really easy to understand I can stack these two together it matches really well if I stack those two yeah uh, it's a super easy game. Yeah, I think as a new player, sort of it's, it's good for that yeah, as well because like it, it gives you been, a good game regardless. Yeah, yeah, couldn't have been a better game for me to get into that. Hmm. Uh, and then I remember seeing a poster in someone else's bar for the ACDC Australian Championship in 2012, oh, yeah. yep, which yep. Um, Norbert Snicer ran. Yep. Um, and went to that. I remember going to the. Victorian final. I think I came sixth and came home and told everyone I was the sixth best player in Victoria. <laughs> it was definitely not true, but I was convinced that I was. Ah, uh, worked at the time. <laughs> uh, but that, like, that's but literally got back to the bar and started a club that that week, pretty much. I was oh, so wow. so so enthralled and so excited by the yeah by the tournament yeah and by that environment. There's probably only twelve people there or twenty people there, but mm. just seeing that competitive side of pinball was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think Rob, uh, um, I think Wal Dickey might have been there for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of the local Melbourne guys, but I, even now when I talk to people, there's there's heaps of people in the scene now that got their start from that competition Norbert ran in 2012. Oh, right. Heaps of people will say that was the first huh. experience they got of because uh, I think he did every state. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the maybe Eastern the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's heaps of people you'll meet. They'll be like, "Yep, that was the first time I ever." So knew that competitive pinball was a thing. Yeah, Norbert's done so much for pinball. Yeah. Really built it up from nothing. I he think. has. Yeah, um, I got a yeah. I get I got a Walter Day card um, made for me this year, and huh. definitely gave Norbert a shout out on it because if oh, it wasn't wow. for Norbert, none of this probably would have happened. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, I did so. not know that. Congratulations! <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> got my own Jimmy Nails card, which I haven't got yet. Actually, it'll be here soon. Um, right, I mate picked them up for me, but. Um, so mates were there at the ceremony at Expo in Banning earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. A couple of other Aussie guys were there to collect the card for me. Oh, nice. So that was lovely. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm actually hoping to get Walter here. I was going to ask that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Fingers for crossed. For Kong-Off? Not for Kong-Off, because okay. I think Billy has some dates. So it won't be for Kong-Off. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Walter's just desperate to get here to do it. He just wants to do a card ceremony in Australia. Oh, right. Um, so he did come back to me with some dates, actually. So... Uh, I will we'll get back to him on that because it would okay. be thrilling to get Walter here yeah that would be awesome yeah um, yeah where were we and then yeah so it's mostly just been pinball of late not sort of arcade gaming um, I mean I tend to play all of the, the games at least once a week mm-hmm. uh, me and Ben have a pretty good rivalry going on Donkey Kong alright uh, I got a PB last week of 141 so I'd love to get up to 200 by Kong-Off. Yep. That's what I'm aiming for. Right. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, we do the wizard pins here. So every few months we select a game where you've got to 
hit a cer- certain score to achieve oh, yeah. a limited That's a great edition idea, pin. By the way. Yeah, yeah, it goes really well. So I tend to focus on those games when they're on. But um, yeah, other than that, it's pinball. Right. It's yep. pretty much pinball. But I mean, <laughs> all consuming. Yeah, it is yeah. all consuming. I don't get to play as much as I wish I did, or as much yep. as certainly as much as people think I do, <laughs> and as much as my wife thinks I play. Right. <laughs> but, um, I mean, as a beer rep, I probably I, as a beer rep, I knew where every pinball machine was in Brisbane. Hmm. I probably played thirty hours a week, and now as a bar owner, I might play four. Right. Yeah. Maybe six if I'm lucky, and it's yep. usually just me cycling through the machines doing fault testing. Yep, yep. Um, Which is a different kind of playing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the worst because you usually play really well because you're relaxed and you're like, oh, oh I'm yeah. just going to hit all the switches, and then you're like, holy crap, I'm on ball one and I'm on half a billion, and then the phone <laughs> rings and you've got to let it go. <laughs> and then you get in a tournament setting and you can't even hit any switches. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pinball. It sure is. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on some of the huge gaming events that happen around the world so for instance Evo um, Games Done Quick uh, Pinberg obviously yeah. I mean have you thought about doing anything in particular with them around Netherworld I mean like sort of a live streaming thing yeah. or something like that I haven't really thought like um, I, I'm obviously desperate to get to replay effects and see what a big event looks like Yeah. Um, one of the challenges of the Brisbane, Brisbane Masters this year was finding a space mm-hmm. um I mean, I would love... There is a, a silly idea that of maybe cre- turning turning the Masters into an expo-style thing with vendors oh, wow. vendors and the public one weekend and competition the next. Right. Or we squeeze it all into one weekend. Um, I like that idea. Yeah. It sounds like a, a bit of work. It makes, it makes <laughs> sense, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just for the space and then, you know, if we create it like a vendors thing, we you know, we bring in... We, we go hard on it and we try and get... 50, 60, 80, 100 pinballs there and yep. it also will great, give me a great chance to also showcase the arcade players in Australia mm-hmm. so we could we could have guys marathoning nibblering one corner, we could have a tabletop section mm-hmm. uh, where guys can come and showcase we, I mean we have amazing game designers in Australia as well, yep. I mean Red Brick have been here and done events um, virtual reality is taking off in Brisbane hmm. um, from what I understand Brisbane's looking at being a real hub for virtual reality gaming right uh, we've got a virtual reality cafe just a few doors down right uh, and Nick who runs that says he's seen some of the projects coming here in the next few years and they are insane apparently hmm. um, so I do have some ideas I don't know if anyone else is thinking of doing similar stuff in Sydney or Melbourne hmm. but I might my idea is to get through get through Masters go to replay and then get back and seriously have a chat to my business partners and you know other guys in the Australian community and see yeah. if we if it's an avenue we should head down I think there's an appetite for it yeah, yeah I know Marty really... head to head's probably thinking similar lines to be honest right um, I mean I have a lot of connections in in Brisbane having been a beer rep um, we're doing I mean, the RNA Showgrounds is just over there. I did speak to them this year about what it would what it would entail getting a big space in there. Mm-hmm. Our timing is just a bit off this year because the sh- the like show is the Royal Show is coming up. Yeah, but we're looking at moving Masters forward a month next year uh, because we want to try and attract some international players. Yeah, uh, being so close to Pinburg, no one's gonna no one yeah. would come. Yeah, yeah. But we feel like if we move it forward five weeks. There's a good chance we might. Jag some American players, hopefully or European. I know Frank Bonner's been here a few times mm-hmm. through Norbit, so yeah, um, yeah. And I've got 
a friend Marty runs some a couple of major events a year has a big relationship at RNA so I feel like the expertise is around for us yep. to do something like that and like yep. you say the drive and the passion and the desire is probably there yeah um, so yeah mm. watch this space watch- <laughs> <laughs> not like I don't have enough to do which oh, no. people have said but um, yeah. I mean my business partner Ben uh, him and his a couple of mates basically run Brisbane's version of Good Beer Week so it's called Bruce Vegas up here mm-hmm. it's a 10 day or 10 day long beer festival I mean they run that have run that successfully for years mm-hmm. so we've got we understand running big events and running uh, that sort of thing so we shall see yeah. what we can do but I mean there's also the idea of collaborating with some of the the bigger events in the US and mm-hmm. um I mean, Jessica Donato is pretty much a local in Australia now, yeah, and she's yeah. got a pretty, she's pretty good, much lives here, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, I mean, she knows a lot of people in the US, and I've uh, got a great relationship with Richie Knuckles through the Kong Offs. So yep. he's he's coming down to host our second one again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, okay. And again, I know That's you know Dan news. Robar in Sydney's. You know, there's a, there's some huge collections of games out there. Yeah. Just whether we find a way to get them all together yeah. I'm really excited I really want to give a platform for the arcade gamers as well just to showcase yeah. what can be done and yeah. how what sort of players we have around here yeah yeah mm. cool mm. Um, and looking a little bit ahead for Netherworld are there any games you would love to get hold of like maybe one that has gotten away or mm. one that you haven't gotten yet or uh, I would love an original Burger Time cab oh that'd be that'd be yeah. cool me That's and my wife cab. kind of Used to, when we first started dating, we used to go to this little bar called Itty Bitty, drink $5 pints of Tiger beer, and play <laughs> Burger Time for hours. That's all we used to do. So, <laughs> I got a little soft spot for that. Um, cool. What's Ben? Ben's really ch- Ben's really chasing a bubble bobble. All right. Yep. Uh, we've got a Cubit coming soon. Oh, nice. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know what else. Just, yeah. Hmm. A couple of really classic... Uh, we've got an elevator action on the way alright fingers crossed that um, that can get ready soon uh, yeah, bubble bubble's a hard one that's yeah. pretty hard to find and they usually go for quite a bit so yeah. just the board I mean yeah um, what else and then pinball wise we're pretty, pretty I would love to get an EM like an, or an old Gottlieb wedgehead on the floor mm-hmm. um, we had Stingray here for quite a while it's going to get a uh, Jeff in Melbourne that Pinball Perfection's re- just giving the playfield a bit of a, a nice coat and a touch-up, mm-hmm. just because it was starting to wear a bit. But it was beautiful having that on the floor because it has an EM chime box in it. Uh, so even yeah. though it's a solid state, it still has the chimes. And yep. man, when those chimes ring through the venue, it just everyone's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> pinball you know that sound." <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, it's you know a game like that's stable enough to have here. Yeah. I always have the fear of chucking an EM on the floor and yeah spending six hours a day fixing it yeah, yeah. to play it for six or four and yeah. then fixing it again <laughs> but who knows we'll um, um, yeah always like yeah always looking it's pretty much I, every morning I just open up the for sale pages to see what's out there right because <laughs> <laughs> stuff goes in seconds the good stuff so yeah um, yeah, and it's sort of in right now, isn't it? People collecting arcades and things like that, and having their own home arcades. Yeah, well, you know the rise of uh, you know man caves and yeah, uh, families setting up rooms with arcades and whatnot in them. And then you know the, these bars, like we said earlier, are probably going to become more prolific. 
So getting hold of this stuff is going to be get harder and harder. Yeah. Even in the states, it's probably getting eventually. It's going to get harder and harder. Yeah. Yeah. Holding on to CRTs that work eventually uh, is, yeah. is finite. That's not going to last much longer. Yeah. I actually, yeah, that brings me to another question. Um, do you have an in-house uh, guy who fixes stuff? Guy yeah. Or girl? So we've um, David James, who from Dave's Arcade, he. Uh, we do. We've spread the load on the floor, so we have about six operators here, including our own what we own ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we've spread the load across a few guys. You know, one guy has one machine, one guy has three, one has five, one has ten. A couple of guys have ten, um, which we've found is a good way to do it because it spreads the maintenance load across those guys. They yep. basically look after their own machines. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we employed. We put Dave officially on the books. Uh, I can't remember how long ago. A year ago. Mostly to just look after ours because they're, um, and then he looks after his own as well. Mm-hmm. But day and then Hugh, who owns, well, I think ten or twelve machines on the floor at the minute, he's basically a full-time tech as well. He's here right. every every day. That, but it's more the guy. The we have a really nice communal vibe that whatever it takes to get the doors open at midday, you just fix it. So yeah, yeah. if it's not your machine, but it just needs a solder or it needs something, whatever it takes really to get the doors open. So the guys. Guys are really good like that. Mm. I just tend to buy rubbers and flipper buttons and stuff like that, and just yep. have them as a communal pot. Yeah, because yeah, being finicky over a three dollar button, who really cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yep. get the door, yep. just get it back up and running. And so you do have yeah. the expertise in house to fix like CRTs and things like that. Uh, to a degree, I mean, John Glover's really close by. Uh, from he's up on the Gold Coast, so he's really good with CRTs. Right. Because that helps. Because CRTs are, yeah, they're a bit of a, yeah, bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> um, but there is something about them that nice, mm. that nice warm glow. Yeah, they're important to make the game look like it's supposed to look yeah. like. So yeah, which yeah. is what you want to do. That's exactly what one of the briefs was. Is you want people to experience them yep. as they were experienced 30, 40 years ago. Yep, yep. Um, and then we've got a few other guys. Kazen, um, Adam is in Brisbane as well. Um, he does a fair bit of our board repairs, so if we have any board faults, Kazen's pretty good. John Glover's great with that stuff as well. Hmm. Uh, the Pong that we have here, he built that completely from scratch. Even the board he built from scratch. Yep. Um, wow. And then any other chassis stuff, we often send stuff to Perth uh, if it gets really to bad. To Joe Mac? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Dave's, Dave's probably... Uh, Dave can pretty much fix anything. He has a real persistence and calm about him right whereas that you helps. know I might have looked at something for six minutes and gone ah it's too hard <laughs> but Dave will sit there for as many hours as it takes to get it going which is super important because sometimes it's especially even just setting the colours on a CRT yeah it's oh so finite God. the movements yeah. and you know you, you move it from one side of the room to the other and you've got to it's changed it. yeah <laughs> you've got to be pretty patient with a lot of it yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah he's super patient and yeah yeah pretty invaluable to the team cool to be honest um i've certainly learned a lot in the last since we've opened but um and the first the first two weeks was pretty harrowing just by not uh just by a bit of unluckiness dave and you both had family trips booked from the day we opened for two weeks oh so i was pretty much <laughs> left on my own for the first two weeks and i learned a lot oh uh, uh, yeah i can imagine <laughs> Trial by fire. Yeah, it was actually mostly Coinmax. Coinmax are pretty much the oh, bane of yeah. our existence. Yeah, um, I met someone last night, actually, Steve, who runs Silverball. 
Silver Bowl Bar in St. Louis, Missouri, who dropped by last night just by chance. Okay. Um, and yeah, we got to talking, and yeah, Coin Mex came up. Hmm. And yeah, <laughs> pretty much. They just tend to. We've moved mostly to electronic Coin Mex. Mm-hmm. But even then, they just tend to forget what their role is right. a couple of times a month. And they've just got to be reprogrammed, or they just, mm. for some reason, stop working. Mm. And um, they're so important, too, because they're, yeah. they're the part that accept people's money. Yeah. And people get really upset if they chuck coins in and nothing happens. Yeah, they do. Um, um, I think the, a lot of operators forget how important that part yeah. is. Uh, we thought we were being pretty clever at the start. We put um, mechanical coin mechs in to match our token, because we have our own in-house token. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought we were being pretty clever, but mechanical mechs, man, a bit of dust or the wrong coin or, man, it just, right. they jam up. So those first two weeks, 99% of my job, I didn't pour any beer. I just cleared coin <laughs> for two weeks straight. And then the guys got back and I'm like, we need a plan. This is not, yeah, but we got there eventually. Hmm. We've all learned how to program them and hacking them into some of the older cabs can be really hard hmm. and not great, but hmm. especially like an old... Um, Zachariah pinball machine and stuff like that but yeah just got to find a 12 volt supply in there somewhere and mainline it in hmm right yeah well it seems to have worked for you because um, Netherworld seems to have done very well I mean it's only been 18 months right? yeah I know yeah. It's, it's crazy it's to think amazing. it's only 18 months but from my perception and it seems like your comments are echoing it that yeah. it just seems wildly popular yeah so. no we're very fortunate and I think it's, you know, timing and location have a lot to do with the success of a bar. Yeah. Um, we, you know, location probably wasn't luck. We looked at hundreds of venues and I looked for years, probably a year and a half before I met Ben and Kieran. And then we looked for another six to eight months together. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I think the timing was just right as well. Um, luckily, not by design, but it turned, you know, we moved into this location. And in that time, three high rises have popped up near us. Two yep. more are being built right now. The whole street's going through a bit of a revival. The whole valley is really. Yep. Um, so, you know, we didn't know that. We didn't have the ear of council to know that was going to happen. But yep. it's yep. definitely happening. And um, some friends are building a live music venue right down in the mall. Like, oh, it's going nice. to be world class. It's literally oh. going to change the valley. Wow. Uh, spending a lazy $42 million on this venue down the street. And it's just going to be something else. So hmm. That'll help too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome yeah alright thanks so much Jimmy I like I said really really appreciate your time I know you're very very busy um, you've got a few things going on just a few <laughs> I honestly <laughs> don't know how you run the amount of events that you run but you do them yeah so um, yeah thank you very much no worries man thanks for having me on thank you And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) That was quick. I was expecting a break. Oh, okay. (laughs) At least a 40-minute break. (laughs) Okay. At least let me finish my beer. Jeez. (laughs) And thanks for listening Mm. to Game the System podcast. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is on the Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. You can also reach out to us via email at feedback at gamethesystem.co. 
You can reach me on Twitter at Mark's Tweet. That's at M-A-R-C-S underscore tweet. John and Matt are Wago and BSS on the forums. Uh, please rate us on iTunes. That helps us quite a bit mm-hmm. to get reach and exposure. And lastly, thank you very much to our sponsor, 1989 Arcade Bar and Kitchen, where we are recording tonight. Check out 1989 for classic arcade games. Great beer, great food. I can attest to all three of those things, and I think all of us can, Mm -hmm. at 22 King Street, Newtown, and at 1989.com.au. The worst thing I consumed at 1989 tonight was that gum. And that wasn't supplied by 1989. No. Or was it? No, it wasn't. (laughs) Pretty sure I saw it at your place at some point. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye.